Welcome to The Winner's Edit, a survivor storyline and editing podcast. I'm your host, Joe. And what's up? I'm Dan. And today we are covering episode six of Survivor Island of the Idols. Suck it up, Buttercup. And what a an interesting episode on many friends. Yeah, I have a whole lot of things that I want to get through. I feel like this was a very interesting and unique episode in Survivor, especially on the episodes that we've been covering. So since season 36, I feel like there hasn't been an episode like this. And I'm very happy that this existed. I think this is an episode I won't forget for a long time. Hmm. I've seen a lot of people saying it's a really good episode. I, I'm not so sure. I feel like in terms of story, is pretty patchy. And obviously it wasn't hitting just the essentials, but it kind of felt very rushed. That might be more that it was challenge, Island of the Idols, challenge, and then all the tribal stuff so um but yeah definitely something we haven't seen in survivor i think yeah i absolutely agree and i i i chose my words pretty carefully there right i try not to say it was a particularly great episode but it's definitely an episode i won't forget i think this is an episode with really really standout moments that kind of shake the core of what survivor can be and we always talk on this podcast about how we want more complex nuanced long-term storytelling in these things i feel like this episode was a really good sign for that kind of stuff uh that said i do think that for example the description of why jason left was terrible i don't think they did a good job of explaining it i felt like his him being the boot was more obvious than it needed to be because they just kind of threw him in in the last minute um i also i guess before we get to the really good stuff we'll start here a little bit on a negative um front i guess where i think the big problem with this episode stems from production decisions i don't think Ah. that this episode like basically i think the stuff before the immunity challenge was really really great other than whatever they had a reward challenge that takes up time they went thailand idols takes up time but it was still kind of captivating but the decision to put a vote block advantage at when one of when the tribe that that is gonna enter the fold in and it's not even a tough challenge to get it. It's like it's 100%. I feel like the person is going to retrieve that vote block. And a 4 4 standoff is just robbing all complexity, intrigue, anything from a very fascinating situation. You could ask for a better tribal than a 4 4 tie with like mm-hmm. somewhat rigid things because someone has to flip or they're going to be rigid. All that stuff at tribal council that they were talking about, how. Um, and a 4-4 standoff, it's the group that trusts each other more, is meaningless. It's all garbage as soon as you throw in this advantage. I feel like it completely ruined the social politics of this episode, and it completely took me out of it. I, I'm i glad we're going to touch on this first, because I've been thinking a lot about it, too. Because I think, at like first look, it does look really bad and like uninteresting. Um, but how it played out, or at least how they tried to show it, where it was like, Elaine's going to use it, but then Aaron is still going to flip and it won't matter because maybe jumping ship now is better than holding on to whatever's left, which I think we'll touch on that throughout a different people as we talk about their actual chances to win. But I think the way they presented that was really interesting. Um, I think the problem is uh, both you and I, I think we've ran like online survivor games. And an important part of that is when you make like your plan for the whole survivor game, you want like other people to look at it, not the people who are going to play, but other people to look at it and be like, Oh, you're doing this here. This is what can happen from that. Maybe you should change it. 
I feel like actual CBS Survivor needs like some like people to review how their setup is going because I think uh, you, me, anyone can look at this and be like, why would you put this here when there's still this really good like potential for a split like this to happen? Yeah. Like, why is this advantage here? And it- like, imagine if you put it earlier on in the season, like that makes more sense because like. A minority can use it more. And it's just based on the one tribe dynamics. We talked about last episode how Survivor is really almost stuck in this period where it becomes at a swap tribe versus tribe. And that's why the post-swap period struggles. Um, What were you going to say? I completely endorse everything you're saying. To me, it feels like you had a committee sitting there of how to take any stakes out of situation and you had to think for a long time of what the best way to take away all drama from (laughs) it would be and that's putting a vote block here at a 4-4 standoff like it obviously they planned this beforehand i'll give them that credit but it doesn't take a rocket scientist or a game design genius to look at an even numbered uh tribe swap and realize that it could be 4-4 and maybe something that nullifies the um intrigue is not fun we saw this in ghost island it's not fun when there's a slight majority on a swap tribe. It turns it into just one tribe picks off the other tribe. Mm-hmm. That's what we just saw. Like it's and to me, what you're saying, where how it was edited, Aaron was considering flipping anyway. If that happened, I'll, you're right. That just means that this cast is so good that they were fun in spite of that. Guess what? They weren't even fun. Player Aaron realizes, oh, it's pointless to flip when they have a, a power like that. Like it took it took away the fun moment that we were gonna see. Mm-hmm. And then they just played that fun moment anyway on, at, in a confessional. But that doesn't mean that we weren't lied to. That doesn't mean that um, the whole thing was kind of a farce where, yeah, this the advantage decided who went home. Everything else was just what could have happened. We saw the trailer for a really exciting episode, a really fun strategic episode. Um, but we got something else instead. Right. Yeah. And I think the biggest issue with this is that it's so easily remediable. Every Island of the Idols advantage so far has been an idol, a maybe a limited use idol. If it had been an idol here, that is better because then they have to think, oh, who are we going to play it on? So that's better as opposed to just blocking a vote. You've messed up the numbers there. Even more simpler than that, don't tell Elaine out the gate what the advantage is. If you don't do that, maybe she doesn't go for it. And so, like, yeah, so, like, she doesn't go for it, and then she doesn't know what she would have missed out on or stuff like that. And and I think another problem just with Island of the Idols is they're always like, oh, how, how come you make this choice so hastily? It's like, I think they're going into Island of the Idols thinking, like, why would I not do this? A YOLO, it's Survivor. Like, I'm going to do what's given to me. It's like a one in a lifetime opportunity and i think they need to more work on presenting those choices up front because then you can be like oh there's an advantage hidden for you you have to grab it in front of everyone if you don't get it you'll lose your vote do you still want to do this and i think then it's fixed like even if it is that vote block it's a super good reward and then it's sort of an interesting play out you can Focus on Aaron maybe flipping or focus on who's the biggest threat to take out from Vokai. But here it was just, it just really sort of presented the optimal strategy right away to Elaine and Elizabeth. And then they went for it and that was that. And yeah, 
and a hundred percent endorse everything you're saying. I it's they don't realize that these people are playing with not only um the advantages in play, but also the idea of people always say we say Rob has a podcast. Everyone says part of the game is playing production, which means being like somebody who's excited all the time. And when they announce the Applebee's reward, you cheer out loud. When you show up to a mystery island and producers are like, hey, you want this flashy thing? You assume that you're expected to say yes. That yeah. they want the, oh yeah, I want an idol, I'll risk it. But it seems that this whole twist has been played in the reverse where it's like, oh, how dare they be an active game player? How dare they be risky? It's almost antithetical to what Survivor's been saying for the last like 10 seasons of like, make big moves, do big swings. And they're like, oh, no, play passively. It's very bizarre. Yeah. Yeah, I think that risk-taking, um, we've referred to it as a story-wise little leaps of faith. I think that's an interesting story to touch on because I don't know which way they're saying. It feels like they're saying both ways at the same time. Be like, don't do things spontaneously. And then sometimes they're like, this is a time to do something spontaneously and take a chance. And I don't know who's winning out yet. but Absolutely. Uh, and separate to that, what you're saying, if you're just thinking about the season beforehand and you're like, okay, there's going to be a swap. What's the least exciting thing that happens in a swap when someone gets swap screwed? So they have no chance of going because they swap with an alliance and the tribe just decides to stay together. Uh, a vote block in most cases of that will do nothing to help that person. Um, you can imagine if it was five, three instead of four, four, it, it does nothing in that situation. Mm-hmm. The, the smaller group still loses. Put an idol there. That's what stops like you getting swap screwed. It doesn't even make sense from that like any lens. You put an idol here. You don't put an idol before the swap. Flip those things around, and you have way more interesting stuff. It just it feels incompetent to me. Um, and I, like that's the thing. Like this episode could have been an amazing episode. Instead, other moments made it memorable, but I feel like it was just a kind of a mess, and we didn't even really see why they picked Jason. Uh, the whole thing was just I feel like very clumsily handled. Yeah, I think. The way it was going, it would have been less interesting because Aaron and Missy, I think, definitely would have flipped then. But yeah, it still feels... I can see... I From the moment they announced what it was, I was like, you can't do this at a four to four. It's just, they're going to get it and it's going to... That's going to be what dominates the dynamics here. It's not going to be even the like struggle of, oh, are we going to rocks or not? And... Yeah, yeah, it's not just not interest. Like it's not interesting in the way it could be, I guess. Yeah, like this is the whole thing. Like in David versus Goliath, we maligned the idol nullifier because it's something that's immediate. Like it gives you like short term excitement, and you're like, oh my goodness, I haven't seen that before. And you're like, wait a minute, I, I like the fact that the underdogs won, but the way that they got there was just kind of screwing someone over for no reason. Um, and it just takes the drama away from it, and. I don't get why that would be the case. I hate that they don't have the faith in the game. They should. Mm. Um, swaps are necessary in some capacity, but then throwing in this stuff is just so tone deaf to how to actually craft a good game. That makes me sad and really worried for the future. Right. It's just, there's no like easy way to do it, but I think if we could like really lobby for one thing, it's sort of just swap and be good with that. Don't do these double tribal councils, especially at like weird times where it doesn't make sense and you could have like any uneven numbers. Don't do advantages like this for a swap. Just just swap and then let it do its thing. It'll do its thing. Sometimes it will be just a pagonging, but other times it'll it'll flip. 
Yeah, because like w- the thing is, pagani's happen because they rally around the enemy as it being some sort of threat. So when you're sending these people off to um like some mystery island, it just builds their threat level, so it keeps the pagong intact. Like it, all this kind of stuff, you can just think about for a little bit and realize what's going on. But mm-hmm. I digress. Anyways, we'll move on from uh, that aspect of it. Um, and I think I think one of the most like the thing that everyone's going to remember about this episode in three weeks, I feel like, is this scene with Jack and Jamal. And I feel like mm-hmm. this whole thing from when they come go to the Lyro tribe is just top quality survivor. I feel like I feel like they really nailed how to tell a t- story about complex social relationships. In a way that was like really well handled, both sides end up looking pretty good. And I just feel like this is the kind of thing I want to see more on Survivor. Yeah, I think we've been seeing um, little snippets leading up to this. I think with Karishma talking about her marriage, and then Kelly and Dan from the first episode. Um, I really feel like Survivor is sort of burgeoning into this, where they're touching on the ways people interact, um, which is kind of what they started with. It's like, how do people from all different walks of life, vibe together on a deserted island. And yeah, I think if it's it's hard to phrase because I think the scene was really good and a really good point. And we're lucky to have such characters in there that can both handle it well and are like just excellent at handling it. My one fear was that I don't know if the CBS general audience was ready for it. And I guess I haven't done my research or anything to know whether or not there is any sort of backlash or stuff. Obviously, I think the people who are following Survivor online on like the Reddits doing Edgic for it, they know like this is a net good, absolutely. But I think there's some people out there who maybe are like, I don't want to see this in my Survivor. I just want to see them survive. And that's unfortunate. And I hope that's not the case, but I think it was a good scene overall see i actually don't think i haven't seen much backlash personally i haven't like i don't I, i've talked to my parents i've talked to just random people uh kind of thing and i feel like i haven't seen much of a backlash and i guess my take as to why is because the whole thing and we're, we're definitely gonna talk about this later i feel the whole thing is edited from the lens and from the perspective of jack obviously we get to hear both sides and why the situation kind of unfolds the way it does. We get to hear why it hurts Jamal, but the whole thing is like the way it's framed is Jack initially is talking about how much he loves Jamal. And then he says a comment that he isn't proud of. And we get to hear him immediately discount it and be like, I made a mistake. Then we get to hear why it hurts Jamal get to build off that continue to see Jack um, grow from that moment. But the most important part is the end of the narrative. The end of this scene is, Jack apologizing and then Jamal saying that apology I'll never forget this guy is a good kid that's what, how the scene's edited it's not edited like Jack's a monster it's not edited like how dare he do this horrible thing it was presented under the story of nice guy says something he shouldn't have and is able to grow and learn from it and I feel like the, the, that's why I feel like there hasn't been a huge backlash it's it's one way to portray it because you could portray it much more from Jamal's hurt standpoint and show more confessionals at the start where he's in pain but the way they framed it it was person does something person loves uh jamal uh person says something to hurt them and then tries to fix it instead of like there's so many different ways you could edit that where it makes jack look really bad um but we didn't get that and i do think that that's 
one really good for Jack being your winner and two really good for like kind of um, de-escalating tensions that will come from reading that scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the sort of podcast green room, we talked about what a, like the raw edgic rating for Jack would be. And I have him as like CP mixed in this episode, but I think it's like very arguable that you could have a positive maybe because it's not presented. He like acknowledges, apologizes and learns from his mistake. And so I think it's definitely enough to warrant a positive rating. I just, I think my idea here is that, I don't know, them just putting it in a sort of, you have to hit that negative aspect before it goes back to all the positive. And I think we've had, not obviously scenes like this, but characters who have done that where they've had a negative aspect. And then it's always a question of like, do all the other positive things that happened in the episode ever overwhelm and sometimes it does sometimes it doesn't edgic is subjective of course all that um yeah to me basically the fact is it did uh even when jamal is talking about why it hurts him the part where it's supposed to be negative when jamal's articulating in amazing detail about why this is an offensive comment it absolutely was an offensive comment he doesn't (laughs) say what an awful person Jack is. He doesn't say this is a horrible thing. He says, it's understandable that a good, well-meaning guy like Jack could end up saying this. You Mm -hmm. still in that, the negative moment have Jamal endorsing Jack as a good person. Um, I really think there's almost no negativity in this scene is actually the whole thing's very positive for Jack. Um, What it says about survivor that uh, this uh, moment where uh, there's kind of uh, racial injustice happening is edited as the white guy looks good. Take that as you will. It's not super great for uh, Survivor, but um, in this moment, like I think this was very good for Jack, and I think they actually handled it with much more grace than I expected. Like thirty seconds into the scene, I really thought it was going to go a lot more um, kind of white savior esque, and I was a little skeeved out by that. But I think in the end, it actually was handled pretty well on both sides. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think going forward in this episode. I think my general approach to this is I'm glad this scene happened. I'm not sure how it fits into the overall narrative of the season, what exactly the motivations are. If it was just a good scene and they were like, uh, let's portray this so that people can see it. There's talk about how Julia, you remember her from Edge of Extinction, um, but apparently she had a similar sort of scene with Rick Devon's cut from that season and people are wondering if this is like a mea culpa for it um i'm not sure well i i guess my point here is i'm not sure what the motivations are another example i've seen is is this sort of a swan song for jack or jamal are they the next person to go and they just want a really strong scene here to show that so it's just sort of something I'm taking into account going forward. And I don't feel like I completely know the motivations of production and the editing team to put this scene in. So that's sort of um, the context around why I might not be higher on some people or I might be higher on some people and not others for this scene. So Yeah, that's absolutely fair. Um, and then I guess we'll just touch here on the challenges. They were awful. <laughs> yeah, they were the like, like I just watched the episode twice back and I can't remember them. Very remember, generic. Yeah, it was like we are talking about our 
survivor challenge generator it was like they pulled the crank on it twice and were like run along one thing collect some things that you then throw at some things and you have to get a certain amount of things to win the challenge i guess the one thing i will um i guess high five them for i think the immunity challenge was terrible the whole thing was poorly constructed i thought it was actually kind of shot bad which is kind of a unusual for survivor but like the whole thing was like confusing and like you have a lane dropping the advantage and then pick like like the whole thing was not well handled but i actually did Mm. like the reward challenge where you had to pick somebody to be lifted up and they also were the slingshot person i like that putting pressure on people Mm -hmm. that's a good aspect and i guess the cage is sort of interesting since they have to be in it but i think that sort of limits the camera people (laughs) as they sort of go and then i was also thinking like what if one of the balls lands in and like one that's already has a ball in it like is that why those little stairs are there so missy can climb it or whatever it was just yeah 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 i agree with that 100 <laughs> percent uh that oh that exact yeah feeling i'm like uh it's fine but basically more challenges that have less like hordes of people where it's like you can't tell who's doing well less of those more of the one where it's like you have somebody kind of forced to stand in the limelight i feel like that's in general good challenge design mm-hmm. uh separate to that there is this, obviously, this is in kind of an editing podcast. I feel like they did something unforgivable in this episode, Joe. Do you know what I'm, go- do you know what I'm gonna say? Hmm. It's in the Island of the Idols scene, and I feel like it's a unforgivably level of bad editing that, and it's clearly just an editing mistake, that I honestly, I can't forgive. I feel like it made the episode minus two points. I don't think I know it. I, I feel like the aside to Robin Sandra Shelter, since we're not going to touch on it anywhere else, was weird. It's like, I don't care what they're like really doing. Like, it's great that they're building this big shelter, but I don't know. That's not it, is it? That isn't, but you're right. That also sucks. That was <laughs> like, we could have learned something about Jason's probably in that time that we like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of people we could have heard from instead of their living accommodations, but. It's it like, felt like almost like Elaine passes it on the beach at one point and they had to explain why this weird half-built bamboo structure was there. Like, Yeah. Or it's like like Rob starting a shelter building company or something and like, part <laughs> was like he had to show it. I don't know. But like we had to learn that Sandra snores. Like, riveting content. <laughs> um, but no, what I was getting at was in the scene when Rob is like, all right, uh, all right, the clock's ticking. We're going to unclog the um, uh, rice thing. Mm-hmm. We, we're, it's presented as a conversation where the clock's ticking. If, it's in sequential order, more rice ends up in the thing as they talk because <laughs> um, basically they put shots earlier on. Uh, like, you know what I mean? Like, they put mm-hmm. the things kind of out of order. And, like, so it's supposed to... The rice t- falling out of the tube is supposed to signify she's running out of time but mm-hmm. they've completely flipped all the footage around so rice is just going like roller coaster it's going up and down and all over the place in this episode so you can't actually read how much time she has left because they've jumbled the footage right horrible i mean she agreed to it so quickly it was like pointless i know like right after she agrees like the bottle is already like out of rice So, like, some time has passed, because that, obviously, Rob had more to explain there, but... Yeah, and then more rice is in it later on. Like, (laughs) it's it's literally insane. I was watching it on my TV, 
like I know people talk about casuals a lot, and like I feel like casuals get a bad rep. A lot of casuals probably know more about Survivor than a lot of super fans, and like right. quote unquote super fans. But like if they're willing to pass off that crap, like I don't know, maybe it does reflect very badly <laughs> on casuals. Like it's because like okay, you get like the con- continuity stuff all the time and things, but it's rarely when usually if that kind of thing happens, it's not a central focus of the scene. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, this is literally like, look how much, look how fast she decided, and you can't read it because it flips. Like, it, it's very silly, but that's how my brain works, and it drove me nuts. I was, I was pretty, I was a pretty foul mood in that moment. But hmm. yeah, um, the other thing that I think is really exciting before we move on is when Elaine comes back, we see a really interesting scene between Elizabeth and Elaine, where it indirectly tells us they definitely were not allowed to tell anybody because. Our girl Elizabeth walks up to Elaine and says, um, I'm glad I can tell someone that uh, uh, that Robin Sandra were there. Was it good or bad? Can you tell me that? Like, we have a shot of Elizabeth asking Elaine if Elaine is allowed to tell her if it was a positive or negative thing at the end. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Hmm. Yeah. And of course, Elizabeth's reaction is just like great. But yeah, it's good to like, because I, I wish we would have seen that with Kelly and Nora, though, because I'm sure they did that. And- yeah yeah so I we just know. get this awkward song and dance of them like like this is the kind of thing like why not just tell us that they can't instead of have this like super awkward scene where if you don't know that they're not allowed to say like <laughs> you don't know what's yeah. happening like what do you mean she can't, are you allowed to say that <laughs> like <it> was, <laughs> theoretically this is a social game that you're allowed to do whatever you want but mm-hmm. not in this season yeah it's like six episodes in island of the idols like hot take i'm not not really into it Oh yeah. <laughs> no, like I mean episode one, I think we were pretty negative. Before the season we were pretty negative. At this point, like I feel like it's just been terrible. Like I feel like it's made the season a lot worse when this could have been a re- like firing at all all cylinder season, like mm-hmm. really top tier. And instead it's like almost there. This cast is clearly so good in spite of the crap they're throwing in the game right. that it's still good, but mm-hmm. it could be so much better and it makes me sad. Yeah. Even the Survivor Gods are giving us a 4-4 four, four tribe swap. Like, come on! Like, when do you <laughs> ever see that? Like, hmm. So, yeah, that's the episode. Um, poor Jason had to leave and just, like... <laughs> like, he might as well have been random generated out. Like, it was... <laughs> like, he... This was a, such a, a sad goodbye to a character that was actually pretty fun. Um, yeah. And it was interesting to see the Vokai members just sort of break down and collapse. Like... I mean, we'll touch on each of them, but, like, watching, like, Lauren, even as sad as it was, like, her, like, very visceral reaction to it, and just all of them, so. That was awesome. I When we get to Vokai, yeah, no, you're right. I actually do want to touch on this tribal, because it, it was actually really well handled, I think, where you have at the start, like, whatever, it's dumb, like, oh, we'll, we'll stay rich, but then you see, and I think that's what made this episode pretty dang good, was you got to see, it's this cast, you got to see them see the fear of getting voted out see the fear of their time cutting short because they know right when that advantage is right they're like are you kidding me like i'm sure we we missed a scene of them being like you seriously put that in this <laughs> game go away um like go like like i'm sure they yeah. had some curse words to say because they immediately know they, they were screwed um and seeing like lauren just break down that's what i love about survivor like you want people who want to win that bad and we just screwed one of them over so Good job, CBS. Mm-hmm. Oh, but we love our twists. Wasn't it shocking? That's so shocking. Yeah. I was just shocked that, like, 
Ah, it was oh, I have so much to say about like all of Vokai and how how weird it was, even yeah. with those twists. <laughs> You're not wrong. Anything else to touch on before we move on here to the stories? I don't believe so. Awesome. So in this section, what we go through is we go through the long-term storytelling to figure out what the heck this episode is actually telling us about this season. And I think all season, episode one, we came out strong. We're banging the drum of this season's clearly about teaching and learning, uh, seeking a mentor and learning from it to grow to be a better person. And we really like, we're like, this is the, se- this is the theme. And then it basically vanished for the rest of the season until today, Joseph. Okay, well, actually Wednesday, but I mean, actually, like, several months ago, but but please explain. <laughs> so, all right, and actually, and to be fair, it was actually there in, like, episode two and three, too, but, uh, you know, took a break. Yeah. Um, we, we, like, on our sheet, we added a question mark every episode, it didn't uh, happen, and then I have deleted all those question marks, because it's back. Yeah, it is back, <laughs> Is it is right here. Number one, Jack and Jamal. That was an episode, that was a scene all about learning. We literally mm-hmm. see uh, Jack be like, I want to learn more. Never feel afraid. Jamal asks uh, Jack, you know, sometimes it's, I feel unsafe talking about race. And Jack says, no, I will always want to learn from you. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely here. It is amazing for Jack, who is now pos- primed specifically in the role of, he's willing to grow and learn from other people's expertise. Right. And I think one of the things Jack says early on is, Oh, Jamal is so much older than me. He has so much experience. And that sort of drew me back to Elena Island of the Idols talks about how she's on Survivor. She wants to be here for the experience. And I feel like I can't remember because it's not on our list anymore, but wasn't experience like the experience either a theme that we considered in this season or maybe last season, I think. I think last season because of Edge of Extinction. Everyone was like, what is their survivor experience about? I mean, I think here it's more like actual like life experience and learning from the people who have that experience. So, Absolutely. Basically, this is saying that a good survivor player is not stubborn. They're not um, locked into who they are. And that's not always the case. Like sometimes seasons are about being true to yourself no matter what, right? Mm -hmm. Um, that's not what the season's about. Like, for example, Worlds Apart is about being proud of who you are, no matter what, even when everyone, even if that's a jerk, basically. Even if you're a steamroller. Even if you're a steamroller, even whatever, right? Like, Mike Holloway in episode one is barking at people about being a construction worker, but then getting confessionals about how proud he is to be a blue-collar, hard-working guy. Um, <clears throat> flip to this. This is not that at all. This is, um, Jamal calls jack a kid uh, a well-meaning kid who did something wrong and jamal is presented as a experienced well like all kind of all-knowing good guy jack presented as a kid who made a mistake who went to his teacher and asked for how to be better it's like it, it's presented so positively um basically i think if it's like i said i think this bodes extremely well for jack and jamal uh especially jack i think this is every teacher needs a student um jack is that student especially his like uh connection to tommy is a teacher really good for jack um but in addition to that i mean we had elaine uh deal with her mentors over on island of the idols this was an episode all about teaching Mm -hmm. right i think 
you summed it up well. I think in the opposite way, I think this is better for Jamal than Jack, but we'll get to that. Um, but yeah, otherwise, an episode that brought this back and it's back mm-hmm. in contention. Yeah, no, we like, didn't. We didn't see it from our like top contender perfection, Tommy, yet. But it is a weird episode for him, and we'll get to that much later. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, I do think it is. It like it was established so much for him early on that it's okay right. that it's building, right? Um, mm. For example, I mean, in uh, David vs Goliath, we saw in episode one um, the whole female idol thing doesn't pay off till the finale for Angelina. Like we do see Survivor being willing to do. It's like really long-term storytelling, right? Um, mm-hmm. Right. So I don't know. I, I I don't think it's bad at all for Tommy that firmly establishes his his roots there, and then what's it come another day? Mm-hmm. But yeah, basically, I think you want to be willing to grow and learn, and that teachers are really good. You're right; it is very good for Jamal. But yeah, we'll get there when we get there. Um, the next one that we have here is the idea of proving who you are. Um no matter what. So this is obviously most epitomized by Janet. Um, Where do you think it was big time here in this episode? I mean, I think part of it is in that Jack and Jamal scene still where like Jack obviously doesn't like, he knows he did something wrong and he steps up to it and acknowledges it. Um, Trying to think if I saw it anywhere else. Um, Elaine mentions it when she is sat out of the challenge and headed to the Island of the Idol. She talks about how people underestimate her, but uh she's she says she's like strong as an ox and heart something else heart of a lion so it's like yeah. about proving who she is and she eventually comes through for her uh lyro tribe mates in this episode so, yeah that's exactly what i was gonna say is in this episode we just got to see it with elaine like and i mean it's almost poetic that the reason she goes to island of the idols is because she was set out of a challenge uh so then and then the end of the episode is her proving her worth to her tribe with the fact because she was sat out because she was underestimated. She was able to overcome um, is basically mm-hmm. what this episode was telling us. Um, so, yeah, I mean, don't underestimate Elaine, basically. Uh, other than that, I really didn't see it a whole lot. I guess you could yeah. argue um, Nora speaking her mind to <laughs> Dean. Like, that's part of this theme, like that you should not necessarily speak your mind. You should do it in a way that's uh, gentle to people who are opposed to you um obviously most epitomized by kelly interacting with dan the first episode Mm -hmm. um we see nora try to approach and pocket dean to uh to be like a voting (laughs) block for her it just completely backfire um so yeah basically don't like i think it's part of this is prove who prove who you are don't say who you are show don't tell yeah and i mean we won't talk a ton about nora probably here but I think this is another uh, peak or valley in her continued struggle with this. Like sometimes it's really great that Nora uh, sticks out and we're supposed to like that about her. Other times it's like bad, like this is not a great scene for Nora. So it's Nora's continued struggle with this and uh, eventually she'll write it to the end and win as we're all expecting. Exactly. Yeah. The most obvious <laughs> uh, path imaginable. Yeah. Um, but- an interesting person to navigate this with. Yeah. So the next one, which I think, okay, the teaching one was huge. Um, I think the one that really, at this point, we've said this all season, this is the one that's the most consistent, is the idea of this, how hard it is to be able to put up with people who are doing things that they shouldn't be doing, invading personal space, touching, infringing on social issues, 
how difficult and um, complex that situation is while playing a social game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we've seen it with Dan and Kelly. Uh, Karishma's brought it up with her um, heritage and how that affects her playing the game. And now, of course, it's another story that really factors into that Jack and Jamal scene where Jamal's obviously hurt by that. And he says, I don't know, like, it might take me some time to process this. And Jack's like, okay. And then they talk about how it's great to have this interaction with between two, like the two main allies there. So yeah, it's very much talking about these different issues, whether it's personal space or um, your morals and beliefs and how they apply to Survivor, while still fitting that into how you play this game and how you advance in it throughout those. Absolutely. And I think this continues to bode extremely well for people like Kelly, for people like Jamal, people like Karishma even, as characters that we're supposed to root for, that we're supposed to see positive qualities in. And I do think that the most interesting thing about this about the Jack Jamal thing is the way that they related it to the game. Jamal asks or mentions to Jack how hard it is to deal with this situation, not only as a black man, but as someone in a social game where you have to pretend to like people. Mm-hmm. Kelly acknowledges that straight up too. So I feel like I've never seen confessionals like that before, where they're acknowledging how much it hurts them, but also that they can't act in a way that they naturally would. Um, right. Krishma had a ton of that too. Exactly. Like it's so conscious and it's clear that they're airing this stuff specifically as a theme because normally you don't see it put in the lens of in a social game. You can't be who you actually are a lot of the time. I think that's very, very fascinating. Um, and yeah, like, even Jamal's last confessional, he says, I'm glad that we got, uh, Jack's apology was sincere and it was a great apology so that I could continue my social, what was it? Social um, going up, like ascension or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Like he, he's still thinking under this game lens. And I think that's ultimately what this season's about is uh, that sort of um, interacting with that, like things that are uncomfortable to you, but not letting it get to you, not letting it, uh, break you down in a social game context. Mm-hmm. Cool. So we'll move here to likability being a liability. I mean, this is a crush has been a little quiet since the swap. This has mostly been her kind of, um, you know, like a pecking ground kind of thing, but we do see kind of brought up again with Elaine. Sandra mm-hmm. endorses Elaine as somebody that you might not realize might just slide her way into the end and win. Um, people got to watch out for her. Right. It's con- like it's constantly referred to Elaine as being like, she's so likable. She makes it to the end. She wins. And I don't know how it will eventually play into Elaine's game because the way we keep seeing it is Elaine escapes it despite it. Whereas with people like Krishma and Nora, they have not been so likable, but it's kept them safe in the game. And Elaine is this weird exception that I'm not sure how it will totally fit in. I'm kind of getting like Christian Hubicki vibes, but also it seems different. I don't know how it's going to play out in the long run. Yeah, this a couple weeks ago, I listed Elaine as my least likely to win or no, maybe not that low, but not super high, pretty low on Elaine. Mm-hmm. This is a, at this point with it coming back so often you almost have to leave room for it being the JT story of why didn't they vote out Elaine? It's something you have to consider that this could be what the story is saying. I don't think it's that. I still would put it at pretty low at equity, but she goes up from zero to like five for me. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, she's, like, at the top of, like, people who I still are, like, I don't get this winner's story. But, like, I guess if I have to pick from those weirdos, it's, like, this one, I guess I can see where they're putting building blocks in place. Exactly. And, I mean, if you look at the boot order, these are all people that aren't, like, bottom feeder loser characters. Like, Jason's a likable dude. We're continuing to see more likable people get voted out. And I think that's basically what this thing is saying. Mm -hmm. And I think... If you look at this, you can almost see or explain why Elaine maybe wasn't so visible on some of her episodes. It's because she's not in danger. And when she is in danger, the editors always make sure to emphasize why she survives. It's kind of her likability or it's in this case her finding an advantage and then going from there. So, yeah, basically they just come up and remind us that she's playing a great social game. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So the next one that I noticed in this episode, <laughs> this is actually pretty funny. So this is the idea of it's introduced to the game by Boston Rob and Elizabeth saying that Boston Rob taught her to do that. And so she's lying more. She's playing harder. Now, what I found fascinating is uh, circle back to episode one and Elizabeth just accepts to fire make against Rob and he make he roasts into her. He digs with mm-hmm. that super deep. Meanwhile, Elaine does the same thing. And they're like, oh, she's got heart. She's got gusto. She's got the it quality. Right. Where's the consistency, Joseph? Uh, not there, but like good for like applying to certain people and not. Um, yeah, I don't know what. Like I said, it's just that problem with Island of the Idols where I don't think they're implying as much that like, oh, this is actually a choice. Maybe you shouldn't take it and risk your game. Um. But I do want to mention, other than Elaine's trip there, I think Tommy said something at Tribal Council about taking little risks in this game. And it was an interesting point because it ultimately doesn't matter to how the vote pans out. Like, there's no risk Tommy could have taken to change his fate here, I feel. Mm. Like, Like, they told the people they thought they had and it didn't work, but that wasn't necessarily presented as a risk. The idea of going to rocks was presented as a risk, which they didn't do. So, which yeah, was ultimately irrelevant. But yeah, mm-hmm. like it's character building. So yeah, but the story is now sort of in Tommy's uh, palette of stories he can pull from. I guess exactly. Yeah, I agree with that hundred percent. And I think the interesting chapter this one takes is Boston Rob tells us that okay, it's about taking leaps of faith, but sometimes you want to dip your feet in the water before you leap. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's ultimately what they're saying a good survivor player does is you're willing to throw your trust into people, but don't be naive. But that's still kind of a silly theme. We still have that confessional of Dan saying he wants to work with naive players. So mm-hmm. maybe look for more signs of people doing things like just kind of impulsively doing things. Elizabeth Elaine maybe could work with Dan. They're on a tribe together. Seems like it's possible. But yeah, <laughs> I think it's something to pay attention to is this theme. And you're right, Tommy can absolutely still pull from it. So another yeah. one on the board for the Tomster. <laughs> um, do you have anything else on that one? I do not. Otherwise, I'll move on to the one I sort of added. And it's more, I guess, if we're talking literary, it's like a motif. It's not really something that's being expanded on. But there's a lot of talk. And I guess, obviously, in Survivor, there's always a lot of talk about winning and losing. But there's a lot of reference to it. Um, in this episode, Dan talks about how uh is all about winning which of course they then lose but um jeff is always talking about how lyro has lost every challenge which i think is interesting because we've talked about how 
it's the same color scheme as Ghost Island, yet they're not really putting any sort of emphasis into that there may be a curse there. It's more just Lyro is losing. Um, last episode, we get Missy going, L is for Lyro, L is for losing. Um, but I think it's interesting how they're also focusing on this without, other than Karishma per se, singling out certain people. And <clears throat> even in this case, they didn't make any effort to single out anyone for being responsible why they won or lost those challenges. Absolutely. Just something I'm sort of seeing and I want to keep an eye on. It's not, I guess, something you can really wrap like a winner's story around per se. Like if they win a lot, that's really good for them because they get further in. But just something I want to keep an eye on. Absolutely agree. Um, And then obviously we, we have some three themes here that are just kind of on the back burner that really didn't have much to do with this episode. Um, so this is the whole idea of basically the negativity and paranoia that causes you to be a worse survivor player when you have an idol mm-hmm. um, being one of them. Um, it's been gone since Chelsea has left. So I pretty much think that it might've just been Chelsea's story um, mm-hmm. or at least is on the back burner while the idols are just kind of not like Jamal's yeah. the only one with an actual idol right now. Well, and then we Kelly. Have, Kelly has one for one tribal. Sure. So, but they're not, I guess the point is they're not being referred to constantly. Like, yeah, they didn't go to tribal. It wasn't important. Mm-hmm, right. So that's that. Maybe it'll pop back up, but not today. They will obviously have the idea of the hard work pays off. Again, kind of has been gone since Tom left. Could be kind of uh, that theme there. But I still think that this is going to be important the whole way. It's actually why I still have Jamal not as a super high winner contender. Because I do think it was pretty established pretty hard on. But the only other thing I wanted to mention here is... We did see Lyra, OG Lyro, continue to turn on itself until an advantage was thrown in. Aaron talks about flipping on Elaine, but we don't, he doesn't actually, but like we can parse from the episode that he would have if Mm -hmm. not for the advantage. So it's still the idea of like the tribe that folds. Like you want to go all in with your tribe, you want to stand firmly with them is a good thing, not kind of be fractured. Yeah. Yeah, it's very much despite this advantage, Lyra was still willing to self-destruct. And I think from a game standpoint, you can be like, oh, that makes sense. Like, I think it makes sense for Aaron and Misty to flip because they know they don't have Gene and Karishma on the other side and that only gives them four at most. So yeah, it makes sense to flip, but they're very much being presented as like, oh, they're not sticking with that team. Whereas Vokai gets this emotional tribal council about, oh, we're going to stick together. We're going to take this risk. And then it's so sad when we don't have a chance to save one of our people. So in that sense, I guess it's still there. But I don't know. You're not seeing it as strongly. Absolutely agree. Um, And the last one here is the idea of assume nothing, think outside the box. This was Jason quote, which he kind of brought back into the fold in this episode. But I think it's clear that this was maybe his story and nothing else when he's making his pitch jeff asks him did you assume that this is going to be your path in survivor or something along those lines jason said no i don't ever assume anything i just want to be here as long as possible this is a dream come true i think that's basically what we saw um they clearly were big fans of jason and he was the kind of character that we predicted in the first episode Mm. and it if you want to say this was maybe just a one episode story at best for when Jason says it to Kelly, then Kelly puts the idol in her hair and it's just this really good, like, oh, she did think outside the box. Yep. Da, 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 done. So exactly. we'll see if people continue to be creative in Survivor. Hopefully that makes for good television. So absolutely. 
So that's the stories of the season. Um, and that's how we kind of think everything's going to go uh, long term. But let's go through all these people one by one and try to figure out where their individual stories are at. We're going to start with new Lyro here, um, which at this point, I feel like they had a incredible episode here. The entire tribe looked like a cohesive unit. We got that fun scene before the incident of Kelly and Jamal dancing. Um like them all kind of looking like a good cohesive group. We got Dean and Nora. We got all kinds of little dynamics going on. I had a lot of fun every time we were on the Lyra tribe. Mm-hmm. I guess, yeah. The big thing is, is there a post-swap complex tribe? And I'm sort of trying to puzzle that out. Especially because at times it sort of feels like with all the relationships on Vokai breaking up. Like, was Vokai the actual complex tribe? Is sort of running through my mind. But yeah, it still feels really balanced. Which is kind of surprising how little actual content Lyro got aside from Jack and Jamal's scene. Um, but I still think it's sort of balanced and I'm still puzzling it out. I've got one more episode, I think. Yeah, honestly, I'm I always think that Complex Tribe has a lot more digital tribe than the swap tribe. Right. So that's my personal uh methodology. But yeah, if I was gonna bet I think it's Lyro, but I'm not gonna disqualify someone on Nouveau Kite just for that. Um mm-hmm. Because if, if it ends up being a tribe game again, I feel like the original dynamics just matter more. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, we'll start here with Dean, who somehow has emerged as one of the characters that we will always check in with. Right. <laughs> Detective Dean Kowalski is here. And, I mean, I guess I'm starting to buy into the uh, breakout, like, Kool-Aid like, maybe it's more feasible that Dean has this weird breakout and rises to the win than several other people winning. I mean, it's still slim to none, but it is weird that we're getting check-ins with Dean now. Yeah, at this point, like, I honestly have Dean above so many people. It's not even funny mm-hmm. because, yeah, I still maintain the idea that they could have thought it was so funny to introduce him in the third episode in just, like, a really funny way. And, like, that was their plan, you know what I mean? Like... Yeah, like that. It, it seems like it, they had such a good idea that it's possible. Um, and yet, ever since he's had big episodes, we've got to learn about him. We got to learn his motivations, his ideas. I don't know. I feel like Dean's gonna be here for a long time. I imagine what we're gonna have one more person before the merge. Yeah, and I don't think it's Dean. Yeah, if they cut him right before the merge, before he is reunited with Missy, that'd just be sloppy storytelling. Mm-hmm. I think last episode I was all about Dean and Karishma going pre-merge. Now I've very much flip-flopped on that. And I think Dean and Karishma are probably safe until the merge. So, yep. uh, yeah, I think there might be some Vokai cannibalism on this tribe if they go. So Yeah, yeah, I think you might be onto something. So basically, <laughs> yeah, we saw uh, in this episode, uh, Nora extends an olive branch to Dean and Dean says, oh, hell no. Throws it away, immediately throws her under the bus to Jamal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Questionably, honestly, good play. Yeah. Well, it's weird because in the next time on, Nora's plan like hinges on the other three girls. So Dean isn't really needed in this because it's not like Dean is going to help pull Karishma over or anything. So it's a weird scene there. But yeah, I think ultimately like a good move for Dean. Like he says, it's the crack they find, and then he can tell it to Jamal and widen stuff there. So it really will be Jamal versus Nora. Yeah, and like we saw earlier on, Jamal was pushing to take out Nora. Uh, we hear him talk about how he wants agency. Dean is playing into that completely. 
And if we're just tracking Dean's story here, Dean is a non-factor until his girlfriend was removed from the game, which forced him to take an active role in the game, where since then he's done very well. It's basically uh-huh. the story we've been told about Dean, and it, right, he's on a venge mission against Missy. So that's all things to keep in mind, where that's the path he's going on. He has a clear trajectory, um, and that's the thing. Like I feel like Dean's probably an early merge boot, but... He mm-hmm. could go much further because he does have a very clear story. He has motivation. He has uh, personal content. He's kind of got the whole package in terms of like a complete character on our television. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 happy with the story that they're telling with Dean. Sure. I mean, I'm not really on a season of strong characters like Dean is still like way near the bottom for me. But yeah, it's a good. It's a complete story that we're getting around Dean. I just don't care about him very much. That's fair. I actually find him kind of fun, but that's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll move here to Jack, who I made a controversial tweet, um, apparently. <laughs> but midway through the episode, uh, I just was like, you know what? I don't think I've ever seen anything more wittery than this Jack Jamal scene. Um, so I, I tweeted out, um, basically, I think that this scene, the way it was edited, I could imagine so many different paths for how it could be edited that... I feel like the only one where it gets edited this way is if Jack is the winner. Like, it really feels like this was an entire scene, entire moment shown to showcase how great Jack is, um, how good of a person he is, how he's willing to learn from uh, the people around him. That I honestly, I think Jack is my number one contender. Um, Oh, wow. Hmm. Maybe number two. Like, Tommy's still in there kicking, but with a really bad episode for Tommy and an amazing episode. Can't help but have him on there. Sure. Yeah. Okay. I just, like I said, I'm less certain in the motivations of the scene. And I think, I don't know. I just feel like it doesn't, it doesn't feel as winnery, I guess. I guess I can't explain it well, but it's just like, I don't know, maybe explain again or more why it was so like good for Jack. Basically, I think it completely reintroduces him to the audience. It reminds, like, it tells us who he is, that he's a student, that he wants to be better. Um, we, like, it's a complete reintroduction for one. We get to see his fun side at the start where he's like, he's talking and he's like, ah, man, I love that Jamal's a great dancer and all that kind of stuff. And then we get, like, an endorsement from Jamal. We get this whole thing. Like I said, the story isn't a bad thing happens and two people resolve it. It's a nice kid, well-meaning kid accidentally does something to hurt someone and fixes it. That's how it's edited. It's the the mm-hmm. climax of the scene is the apology, not the incident, not anything else. I just feel like they reframe that completely if it's not to make Jack look good. Maybe there's other reason to make Jack look very good here, but and like maybe it could be to uh, neutralize the a toxicity that they will get for a scene like this by like kind of presenting it from his perspective. But to me, it just screamed like one of those things that they throw in the winter montage like we'll get jamal crying and be like ah jack is a good guy i'll never forget that apology Mm -hmm. yeah i think that's a good point because i i think what i want to say here is that this is like jamal's scene and jamal jack just happened to be the instigator of it but you're right it's very much like jack's sort of like journey through this jamal is just like really positively uh presented throughout so i think thinking about 
my sort of read on this as like a CPM as a verse opposed to just a straight CPP. I think that's sort of tinging it a little. Um, I'm also not entirely over last episode where he's just like, Karishma is going and then Karishma doesn't go. But I think after this episode, I need to go back and start checking how much I should actually be valuing this because I've done it again with Nuvokai this episode and we'll get there. But I'm sort of realizing, is this a valid thing I should check or whether or not people are contradicted by what happens in the tribal council result? To me, there's two ways to view it. Like, it's one thing to be like, because Jax was at this before the commercial break, right? Mm-hmm. It was the one after the challenge where he just sets up, oh yeah, this is what people are thinking. Because that that's purpose is to be like, this is the status quo. And now you will see if people follow or break the status quo when we come back from commercial break, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that one, I don't think it matters what you say, basically. Like, I, I don't mm-hmm. hold it against Jack personally that he said that Karishma was going because he was just used as Vokai member. Right. And he probably had the best confessional about it, right? He said, like, I want to get some W's on Lyro or whatever. Um, yeah. But yeah, like, to me, it's not a huge deal. It is a negative, but it's not massive. Um, and yeah, unfortunately, like you said, I would like this to be Jamal's scene and Jack was just the person in it. But unfortunately, that's not how this was shown. This was shown as this was Jack's scene. And unfortunately, to the narrative we saw, Jamal just happened to be in it and shown positively in it. Um, the way it was shown, this was Jack's journey. This wasn't Jamal's journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think coming into this podcast, I had revived Jamal. Jamal is now above Jack on my list. and But they were still in like the same sort of tier of like, eh, probably not happening. But with how the two front runners sort of fared this episode plus this consideration of it i think i would definitely have jack above jamal and maybe back on my list i'm not sure yeah i think the interesting thing here is all season we've had jack jamal and tommy kind of like this triangle um dynamic that is really good for all three of them where episode one jamal and tommy connect over their teacher and episode one jack and tommy relate for being the young guys on the tribe um which I think could say a lot about Tommy's role in the future, but we'll get to that. Um, I think this episode finally unlocked a lot of things in my head of all these like weird threads that were uh, kind of bouncing all over the place. And after Molly left, the story was how Jack and Jamal separate. Uh, Jack handles the situation by smiling and just being like, ah, yeah, Molly got blindsided, but good job, guys. And then we get the whole thing about Tommy comparing the two of them. Um, Jack and Jamal have always been kind of put together and but with tommy kind of like oh yeah and also tommy um we have tommy describing the difference between the two of them and i feel like this episode to me just finally made me realize oh this is going to be the story right and we're going to have those three be an important thing and at some point tommy's going to pick jack over jamal hmm. i think yeah i think that is a potential path this could go down i just feel maybe it's wishful thinking but i kind of feel like one of them could go pre-merge still jack or jamal Ooh, no chance so i think if that doesn't happen and they're both in merge i can very much see that more but that's sort of my last reservation i guess yeah like to me this just i don't know they just both look like people who are hiding behind tommy and jack getting an episode like this is just so good for him and so bad for tommy um that's the thing like the fact that he exists is just it's pretty pretty nuts 
Um, he's been shown as a good player. He's been shown capable. He's willing to learn. Like I said, these are all good things for Jack. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, let's talk here about Jamal, mm-hmm. who, and more specifically his journey, because I think it's very interesting. He's been all over the place tone-wise, and I would have him much higher if not for the fact that we saw him snoring. I feel like that's a really <laughs> bad luck that he never repaired from. Like he hasn't acknowledged like, Oh, I need to work harder or anything like that. Like we still have the, he was lazy at one point and got blindsided for it, but he never had a mea culpa about that. Right. I think, yeah. How highly you're factoring Jamal really weighs on how much you're still thinking that episode two was very bad and the follow up, I guess, to it, whether he's repaired from there. And I think, isn't like a once tenet of Edic was that like mixed merge pre-merges are bad and Jamal seems very much on his way to that. And yeah, I I don't know. With talking about how the scene here in this episode was framed from Jack's perspective, maybe it's a little too like, oh, this looks way good for Jamal. But I do think he's more in contention given the character he's become these past few episodes. Yeah, I don't disagree. Basically, if two and three didn't happen, like, or they were edited differently or whatever, if I forgot about them, I'd have them really high. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes when I look about it, look at it, and I'm, I like, I rewatch the episode, I think, oh, like this is very good for Jamal. But then I remember that he hasn't been shown very well in the past. Even his positivity's been kind of weird in the past. Like when he's he treats himself with grace and like it, it's shown a little uh, card, like uh, a little over the top in general. Um, mm-hmm. like I just I don't see this being the winner content. Unfortunately, right? Jamal, I think at this point is maybe my favorite character. Uh, Kelly's still maybe number one, but he's right up there. Huh. Um, hmm. I thought this was so like he, he's so like the way he talks is so fascinating. Um, and I've like slowly been rising on him as we've gone. Mm-hmm. I, I could listen to him talk about anything. I feel like he's very very interesting. Um, but yeah, I don't think this is. I don't think he's a millionaire. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I guess thinking back on it, I think we really dinged him in episode five because even more than Jack, he just wasn't there in like episode five to comment on how things were going. And he was also like implicitly leaning Karishma. So, yeah, I think I may have just reacted too much to this one scene and been like, oh, yeah, I could see it. But I don't know, as we get to this, like, a trio of women coming up. I think one thing I'm say- seeing is if I feel like there are they're only relevant when they need to be, it's probably not our winner. And I hadn't seen it so much in Jamal's edit, but yeah, it's definitely happening there too. Yeah, I mean, straight up, let's move here to Janet. <laughs> Irrelevant, right? I mean, at this point, she's just invisible. Yeah, she she's sort of this... Well, her and Karishma are sort of the figureheads of this, where they only pop up from time to time. It's not consistent. You're not getting a good view of where they stand in the tribe. Despite, I think, still Janet being in a very good position on this tribe, it's just not being shown as anything. And we talked about how Dean has risen earlier. Uh, Janet has now fallen to where I see Dean's weird story more feasible than even Janet's one path that we had seen before, which was her inheriting the edit from Tommy. Yep. I, her swapping away from Tommy killed that in my head, basically. Um, she and almost, a- yeah. Tommy's episode here makes that even less feasible. 
Because that just doesn't seem like what is happening there either. Exactly. Basically, I think with Janet, it's unfortunate. It's what we were kind of hypothesizing after episode two, where it's like, okay, her episode one was so good. It was so amazing. But it was a, it was the beginning and the end of an arc. It was her proving herself and showing that she's just like everybody else. She's not just the older lady. And a second act still hasn't happened. Um, mm-hmm. It's episode six. Episode seven is too late to start your story, I feel like. Right. Um, so, yeah, with Jana, it's just she's gone. Um, she's proved herself. But then what? Um, to me, she f- reads like uh, finale bait. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. She's she's sixth place. Yeah, and it makes so much sense. Like you can see where Janet just rides a Vokai majority to the end, and then they're like, Janet's too likable, and the person we fire. actually want the person we actually want to vote has immunity, so Janet has to go, and then yeah. she goes, and it's it's very sad, but that's the way it is. My prediction: she's gonna win a couple immunity necklaces. I think that's I think the story's kind of set up for her to be a surprising threat. I think that's kind of her story is that she traditionally would be the older lady that isn't taken seriously. And instead she's taken too seriously and loses because of it. I feel like it's her story. Mm -hmm. So not fantastic for Janet. Um, Like I said, she just reads like a finale or pretty close to it boot where it's just like, you can picture Jeff Probst being like, will the older lady who proved herself uh, and above all beyond all odds was able to make fire without flint. And played a strong social and physical game when no one saw it coming. I feel like that's like that opening montage that you do in the finale. Like mm-hmm. Janet looks like that. It's almost like the Davy Rickenbacker from David vs. Goliath, where that's what it looks like. It doesn't look like a character. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. So yeah, that's all we have on um, our girl Janet. Let's move here to Krishma, who also had a very, very cool episode. Yeah, I mean Krishma is the one who sort of acknowledges Jack being like. As uh, Jamal is sort of trying to bring up the discussion they are about to have, Jack sort of turns away. Whether that's intentional or not, I don't know. But Krishma is like, and he's walking away, which was her like single contribution to the episode. And I think that's like, once again, Krishma had that invisible episode two and then has been a primary figure. But because look. Ly- knew Lyro didn't go to tribal like she wasn't here like we didn't need to hear from her and so it's just she's another character that pops up when she needs to pop up and is not there otherwise so yeah like straight up like I don't know with Krishma I have to me her honest her content read like an accident you know this felt like they just had like yeah how do I put it it? like it was just a good line that happened like yeah and it wasn't it wasn't even content per se. It was just a line. Like, and actually, because Krishma had nothing here, this is actually another say that I'm so high on Jack. Hot take: Jack actually rea- reacted to this very poorly until he was directly confronted with it. Mm-hmm. You saw him like we like giggle and smile and walk away after he said the comment. He wasn't sorry at all. Like, right. He, he didn't immediately feel bad. Like, but it was edited that way. It was manipulated to look like he did nothing bad. But he said something really offensive very awful immediately walked away laughing continued to look like refused to look jamal in the eye when they were talking until it was really pressed on him and then we see the actual apology was hours later at nighttime right and i think maybe that's sort of where my uh mixed tone for jack comes because i could sort of see that and be like yeah he really didn't nail 
the reaction there. But the edit obviously presented it as him doing wonders. And so that's sort of what you have to go by. So, yeah, like unfortunate on the whole. <laughs> yeah, like that's the thing. Like, uh, that Karishma getting the content that buries him is why I'm so high on him because it was clearly just like that's the sh- like they needed the shot of Jamal actually responding to it amazingly. And Karishma happened to talk in that moment. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's the thing. Like, that's why I'm so high on Jack is because this was manipulated to look like Jack's a great guy when he handled it like sloppily and right poorly like i mean you talk about like negative like other people commenting on it and no one else i mean krishma said this but otherwise there was no like oh jack really shouldn't have said that in like confessional or anything Mm -hmm. so yeah the only Uh, yeah we only heard positive things about it which is why it's so crazy um but yeah krishma had nothing here but yeah we're talking about krishma yeah her (laughs) right now her story still she's useless and should be getting voted out but isn't and basically like, that story's done until the merch unless she gets voted out next but she's not gonna so i feel like she's gonna be pretty invisible next episode too well it's weird because at the merge that's also going to theoretically run out because at the merge you're no longer if you're not good at challenges you're not a threat so like it'll be interesting to see how she fits in it almost feels like maybe she could still go and but I don't know. This is just another step in the Karishma mystery because we're getting this sort of sometimes good, sometimes bad. We aren't sure how to view Karishma content. Is it like a winner's story? What is it? This makes it feel like it's not a winner's story for sure, but I don't know what else I can pull from it. Yeah, absolutely. To me, basically, she's like, she's like, uh, I feel like she's going to continue to be a big character. It's just, we're waiting for the story reset, which is going to happen at the merge. And mm-hmm. it's, um, we're just waiting for that. Cause then that turns away from, Oh, she's a liability in the challenges to she's, she's useless in the challenges. Let's drag her. I feel like right. it's what we're going to see. So definitely. I predict she'll be pretty quiet next episode. I, I would or say quite boot. Well, no, I think would you say it's most likely that, uh, Lyra does go to tribal council though. Or are you not feeling? I don't know. I feel like they're really building up like Nora versus Jamal. Yeah. In the next episode. But it could yeah. be at the merge too. Hmm. Like that could be the narrative for the merge. I feel like they usually early enough. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't guess, know. Well, I guess her next episode is probably not too big. She's obviously going to be a number for, I think, Nora, because Nora is going to save them from going. But I feel like it will actually weirdly be more Janet's episode because I think Janet is the swing vote here. So yeah. that'll be interesting to see. Or Kelly. Actually, much more Kelly. Like yeah. Janet will just be Kelly's sidekick. Yep. And I guess let's just move here to Kelly. Yep. Who, to me, we often make fun or at least talk about how the idea of like a cooldown, like an invisible, really quiet episode is actually really bad for your winter chances. And I feel like it's the... It has a high standing, and like if you have a big episode, people want you to have a small episode. But that's just you look at winners; doesn't really happen. Um, it's kind of like a myth. Mm-hmm. To me, this is actually what a quiet, good episode looks like for somebody. Like, because you have a fun thing that you remember about her from the episode, right? And we'll have like, yeah, it'll be interesting to discuss this here with Kelly, and then I think also with Tommy too is sort of what these cooldowns are. But I agree; I've seen a lot of people saying you have Kelly dancing with Jamal. You know she's in there. You know she's on that tribe. She even mentioned something 
um, earlier on. Like, she's the one who brings up how Dean is feeling. So, mm-hmm. all sorts of little reminders for Kelly to be there. I I wasn't crazy about it. I think this also happened after episode two, where she went super quiet. So. Yeah, both times it's like a... It's all, it reminds me of the Wendell low visibility episodes where he's low visibility, but they still throw in something that you remember. There's one episode where he's not in the episode at all, except for he's building something and it shows him build this a beautiful sculpture kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It, and this, yeah. And this episode I think is turbulent for your other contenders too. So yeah, I think she's a little lower, but like probably still my number two yeah for me her her equity kind of stayed static and other people's went up so it kind of took her some some power away from her but like i still think she's a very likely winner um separate to that what i i think she's an amazing character her dancing with jamal uh like it's like a touching moment Mm -hmm. um thought it was really cute um just like seeing like i like seeing people like bond really well together like that um and it almost she's presented in a positive way against if you're viewing Jack is mixed, I feel like it's actually pretty good for Kelly being shown just like properly yeah. dealing with the situation. Um, like, yeah, not, like not saying something offensive. Yeah. Yeah. Just- yeah. She embraces the differences while other people don't. Um, it's basically mm-hmm. what we learned from this episode. And yeah, I, like to me, if I'm editing this story and it's about how Kelly one day wins the episode where she's quiet, it's one where her main story interacting with people that like the whole touching theme, right? Mm hmm. The one where she's quiet is one where somebody else is adding more complexity to that layer. So it's actually building on Kelly's story in your head, but she's just not having to narrate, which I think I'm fine with. Um, right. This to me looks like an intentional, like, okay, well, she doesn't need that much, but we got to remember she, like, give her some fun stuff. Or it feels more intentional than just, like, when people just drop off the face of the earth, like Janet or, mm-hmm. you yeah. know what I mean? Like, Kirschma. Like, this, that, that feels floppy this feels intentional yeah just looking at the scope of the episode all they had to fit in this big scene that did happen on lyro what they might be setting up for next episode with dean and nora um what kelly got here just feels like perfect like you Mm -hmm. know she's there whereas janet it's just like you're not building anything new which you really should be doing you're not even commenting on her and it's just yeah yeah i think next episode I want to see Lyra go to Tribal Council. I want Kelly to have a really strong episode. And then, like, where she's the swing vote, choosing between, um, like, Nora or Jamal. And I think I think if Jamal goes, I think that's maybe the best thing for Kelly. Oh, absolutely. Because it's not, it means the Jack Jamal and sometimes Tommy trio that's going on is sort of broken up. And then Kelly has had this really good point where she's, front and center she'll be coming back to sort of touch on things with dan again that was a bad choice of words but sort of go back to her relationship with dan and see how that goes so i think if that all happens uh i would put her number one yeah honestly i think that's 100 percent a good read and i'm just gonna add one thing that you didn't mention if thing if you're right and lyra goes to tribal next tribal guess whose idol expires kelly guess what episode is absolutely going to be centered around her Kelly, like next episode, almost if they lose, is a lock for her to be a main character in that episode. I feel like, mm-hmm. um, and we know she's safe, so we basically know she's at the merge, unless she doesn't like she leaves the idol in her pocket when she can only play it then, which does not feel at all as a rumble for Kelly's story. Um, so to me, Kelly's 100% in the merge, and it's a top candidate to be a leading 
person in this next uh, next episode. So, like, I'm super high on her. I agree, and I think you're right. Jamal could go. It's a possibility, and that's like you said, very good for Kelly. Yeah, I mean, let's get as fan fictiony tinfoil hat as possible. Uh, they do flip the vote on Jamal, but Jamal plays as idol. Kelly then plays her. Idol on Nora, and they think they negated all the votes, but she actually thought outside the box and voted Jack out, and then Jack is gone. And it's possible, honestly, maybe too amazing for Kelly. And it's like, oh well, that's her story. (laughs) The problem is, I honestly think what we'll actually see is maybe they flip the vote on Jamal. Jamal idols Janet out. (laughs) Hmm. I don't know. I feel like if someone's gonna, one of the girls gonna leave here, things Janet or no. Yeah, I think more likely Nora. Uh, yeah, honestly, I think it's much more likely to be Nora. Speaking of which, it's Nora. It's Nora. <laughs> this was a bad episode for Nora. <laughs> and like we've been pretty positive on her, honestly. And, like when you look at it, um we were right that she with Jason. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's uh positive there, but um holy cow. Um this is the first time where the episode did not take her side at all. Every other time it's justified her craziness. It's when it was just like, oh, she sucks, sorry. Yeah, and it's almost like Nora has had all the different ways you could have a bad episode where she's just presented as someone who has, like, camp life badness in the second episode. In the fourth episode, it's all about her completely failing at her task and her whole tribe is just like, no, Nora. And then this episode, it's just like, oh, yeah, don't forget Nora's trying things, but she's not doing it well. It's just all sorts of different Fifty Shades of Bad. (laughs) man yeah i mean like honestly every other and honestly all those other sides like there's been positivity in the episode to counter it or whatever this one is just dean reads her throws her on the bus and that's it um that was all she contributed to this episode i love her i hope she stays oh yeah i think that's where yeah we're all hoping that but i do kind of feel it's wishful thinking i think it would be very neat if they tied jason and Nora together and then they went out back to back here honestly that's what i'm expecting like you see this sometimes where they do that the only way he's good is if or sorry the only way Nora's good i think is if she has to be a couple about jason being gone only way she's the contender at all um honestly <laughs> only way she's a long-term character yeah she needs that basically because that's what was kind of keeping her in the game was i think she was gonna outlive jason it's just now she's outlived Jason. It's a little earlier than I expected. I didn't expect Jason to leave this early. Mm-hmm. Um, so Nora's kind of longevity now is gone. Yeah. And you can see she's not even necessarily someone you drag along because she's so unpredictable. Yes. And like we're getting scenes of her scheming her own things. So that makes you feel like she is volatile and not someone you can do that for. So, yeah. So yeah, not, that's not good, but yeah. we're all hoping she sticks around. So that is the new Lyro tribe, and we'll move here to the Vokai tribe, which, like I said, what an underwhelming boot. This could have been all time fascinating. Instead, it was like I don't know why throw in an advantage that just kills all drama, all intrigue. <laughs> I'll never get over this. Like, uh, like there's no emotional weight, and to, like I guess. The one good thing is we got to see them see the like the writing on the wall, the vokai, like the OG vokais. Like yeah. that was fascinating, but it is also like what you see when it's voted out. Like it's just we got to see three of them in a row, so it was pretty touching. But I will say, I guess at least there was all this content of 
oh, the I or the advantage might actually not work out because of this. Yeah, and that's because of Aaron. So we'll yeah, that's fair. Yeah, so we'll talk about Aaron. Um, I'm seeing a lot of people are really high on him. Oh no, <laughs> this is so. Like I said, I want to go back and look at other seasons and be like, do winners actually never get contradicted in? what they say versus how the tribal actually goes. In this case, I think it's so, he's so far down the Elaine's advantage doesn't matter. We're still voting her out path that his turnaround from that is just way too abrupt. Like I was maybe higher on Aaron from last episode, but I believe he's now my like lowest contender because yeah, this was terrible. And like, I'm seeing people go up on him here, which shocks me because I don't, I, I really don't get that because yeah, he wasn't just like, let's vote on Elaine. He wasn't just like, I'm going to fuck. She is an idiot for thinking this advantage is going to do anything. I've already mm-hmm. flipped. She's gone. What a loser. And like, what? <laughs> like, Yeah. Like, I feel like they just don't show that if he wins. Like, I feel like that's the kind of thing that they actually don't show if he wins. Like, mm-hmm. Or they at least show any sense of like, oh... Like, I guess they did sort of say, I flipped to them, I'm good with them. But, like, if I flip back, like, I'm going to ruin my relationships with Tommy and all that, that we built up last episode, thinking Tommy and Aaron was going to be a huge thing. But is it now? Who knows? No. It was just, just bizarre. Yeah, they set up an Aaron versus Tommy. Like, what we actually saw was, so we've learned that Aaron's an aggressive player. His story is he's somebody who's willing to make the make big moves. He's tired of people not playing mm-hmm. all through original Lyro. And then we see him unite with Tommy, but it's the begin. <clears throat> it's established as a relationship. We thought it would be kind of, we thought it would be like a merge story, but no, it's Aaron versus Tommy is what they set up. Yeah. And I mean, it's contradicting other things like him and, or yeah, him and Missy talking about how Lyro was dead but apparently not. They think they've got something there. It's just, I don't know what they're trying to do. Same. It's perplexing. It's weird. Um, yeah. Like, I don't know. To me, Aaron just reads like an obstacle. He's, mm-hmm. he is somebody for the winner to topple and they give him good gamer cred over and over again to establish that. But honestly, I just don't really see him. I don't see him making it past like final 10. Yeah, I mean, he's a good contender for Merge Boot, I yeah, feel. I agree with that. Like, honestly, he'd be my pick for the Merge Boot. Or maybe even next, like, if they lose. You think they, like, all flip and... Yeah, my prediction is Tommy somehow gets them... I, I don't even know how it would happen, to be honest, because the other tribe's going to Edge Vic- or, uh, Island Idols. So, I don't know, maybe Elizabeth flips or something like that. Like, honestly, <laughs> it's probably the other tribe loses. <laughs> yeah, it's... It's weird to imagine because then the next time you see Tommy and Lauren scheming, and I'm like, "What? How? How are you going to get out of this one?" But yeah, you're, <laughs> yeah, you might be honest. That's the thing. Like, I just don't think Aaron is long for the game at all. And his yeah. story is he burned too bright. He played too hard, basically. Mm-hmm. Cool. Move on here to Dan, who had another episode where he's completely just like, uh, just kind of whipped by the edit. Um, yeah. Yeah, we talk about Tommy having the perfect winners edit. Dan has, like, the perfect losing finalist edit. It's just, yeah. every episode is just exactly the things you need to do to be like, don't forget about Dan, but also don't think Dan's winning. 
By the way, did we mention that Dan is a logical and uh, calculating player, but also that he is annoying and people don't like him? <laughs> Here's an episode for you. Bags, and he grunts while throwing bags. Oh my god. Okay, we talked about how the challenge was lame. Dan single-handedly made it physically uncomfortable, which is, like, physically uncomfortable, better than uh, feeling nothing at all, right? Like, pain's better than feeling nothing at all. Um, (laughs) Like, what was the, what were those grunts? Why were they so loud? Why why was it in the mix so high? Like, the background music was, like, toned down just so we could just hear these (laughs) ridiculous grunts over and over again. Yeah, I don't know, like, the proper word for it, but it's, like, you can see, like, both tribes doing stuff, and it's, I think it's almost overhead, like, it looks far away, but, like, you can hear, like, Dan, like, grunting as he's throwing bags, and it's, like, why? Like, Yeah, and if you know anything about audio production, like, it's not like the mic was picking up those grunts from that far back. Mm-hmm. They are intentionally putting on his mic into that mix, very front and center, like, you were meant to be annoyed by it um you're right dan has the most losing finalist of losing finalists and um maybe that means he's not a losing finalist but i don't know i think he is um and yeah we continue to be told he's capable but (laughs) is super unlikable so Mm -hmm. um yeah and you're right we got to see him snooping through bags which was pretty interesting um that's another a negative wrinkle on him so and he also was shown to be like a pompous jerk in this episode the whole way. <laughs> like, <laughs> yep. So yeah, that's Dan. Um, basically, he sucks, but's good at the game. Is the or at least mm-hmm. uh, is able to be an influential part of the game, right? And he's not being shown as like untrust, like volatile or untrustworthy, like Nora is mm-hmm. or like Karishma is. He's shown as someone who you can be in an alliance with, but like not. He's not going to win. Mm-hmm. yeah pretty much nailed it so mm-hmm. yeah cool so let's move on here to basically the opposite of dan right um mm-hmm. is elaine uh dan is continuously shown to just be negative at all sides sometimes complex but actually very complex but always negative we're always reminded he sucks elaine on the other hand is always shown to be a little bit more complex than she seems and always positive yeah and also has no longevity you don't it's just bizarre like i don't know where she's gonna end up because they're like oh i'm unlucky i don't know what's gonna happen she's like the boot for this episode but she like escapes that she's obviously lucky because she gets to go to island of the idols and gets this advantage she's so likable that she'll win if she gets to the end like more than any other person i feel is that reinforced and I just don't know how to filter it all. Yeah. No, like, I don't know. Um, Her story is strange. It's basically that she's so likable that no one would ever possibly bring her to the end. And unless the story is these people are dumb and do it, I don't see how she wins. Um, well, and it's bizarre because, like, she's not in the, like, Vokai majority. Mm-hmm. Like, so that's not really a thing to consider. We're not thinking that Lyra is going to retake control of the game and Elaine is going to be someone you should eventually deal with, but don't. It's going to be like, Elaine is looking at like eighth place-ish if you sort of think about it, but her edit doesn't feel that way. Yeah, I don't know. Honestly, I think she might... Okay, hot take before I get to that. She was being whiny and annoying in this episode. Like, you got sat out of a challenge, like, 
I, I felt like her whole story on Island Idols was really corny. Um, her whole like, <laughs> like I'm tired of being underestimated. Like you got sat out of a challenge and then like given a free power. Like cut your complaining, Elaine. But um, I thought that was really tacky. But I'm was- really I'm out on Elaine. Like I do not like her anymore. She's oh no. Yeah, like I don't know. Like in the past, I was like, "Why aren't we getting more?" I think I get it. She's annoying. Like she is annoying. Oh. Um, I don't know I if just... I agree with that. I like she's had several things that I was like. First, she was referred to herself as a busted up can of biscuits, which made me laugh. Then she said something was at stake, and then said she was talking about real steak, and so she was like, "I'm num num." And then when Rob pulls out the bag to pick someone, she's like, is it a chicken? And uh, all those things just are the perfect character. So I guess I get how it could be annoying, but I'm in for the Elaine experience. And honestly, you're always going to like someone. I just (laughs) like, like she's strategically boring and I don't know. So whatever. I'm not the biggest fan in the world, but yeah, I honestly, I think that I don't think she is going to be long for this game. Like I feel like she outlives like, if we look at the boot, like what we're kind of projecting, like we're saying like Nora or something leaves and then Aaron, um, probably then Elizabeth. I could see her being one of the later Lyros left. Mm-hmm. And it'd yeah. be like, do we vote out? Um, I don't know, like Dan or Elaine and they choose to do Elaine. Like, um, mm-hmm. I guess Dean or Elaine is what I meant to say, but I said Dan. Um, and they just do Elaine instead or Dean be part of the mission to take out Elaine or something like that. Like, Elaine feels like somebody who might get idled out of the game or something like that. And I guess we were talking about what Tommy and Lauren's plan could be. Maybe they're like, Aaron, you can come back with us and vote out Elaine. Because the one thing about Elaine is she doesn't have any relationships. Like everyone on, well, Elizabeth to some extent. But everyone else is like, yeah, Elaine can go. We don't have any specific ties to her. Yeah, for somebody who we're constantly told has the to ever uh touch the foot of uh fiji she has no allies <laughs> like yeah aaron wanted to vote her out uh ronnie wanted to vote her out um tom is gone vince is gone tom yeah like elizabeth we we never see talk with her really like we know they're aligned but like that's like reading <laughs> you know like that's like reading the tea leaves that's not presented like elizabeth was shown as with tom not with mm-hmm. elaine uh in fact we actually saw elizabeth blame stuff on elaine um yeah like it it feels like she doesn't have that great of a social game she's loud i feel like is what they're saying um but yeah where's the social game elaine like where's this like yeah i kind of i don't know maybe she could go next episode it's possible wow i don't know if they'd use her to like decoy and then the actual boot but like like that's the one thing kind of projecting her to me um but I don't think she's going to be here long. Like, or if like, that's the thing, like, I feel like she's either the story just completely keeps being, why do they keep her in the game? Blah, blah, blah. They're so dumb. It's like a world apart thing. Or she's just leave soon. And I feel like that's way more likely. Yeah. Cause you sort of reference JT. And I've been thinking about that, given that Lyra is also a minority, like uh, Jalapau was, but like Elaine doesn't, she's not strategic herself even in the way JT was, she doesn't have a Steven by her side to be that strategic backbone. It's just, it doesn't fit together in the same way. Yeah. So I don't. And like, people talk a lot about JT's win where it's like, people t- people were talking about how they were to him and stuff. And 
we don't have that about Elaine. Like, mm-hmm. like uh, some people say that she has too good of a social game, so they want to vote her out. That's the equivalent. Like, um, yeah, it's it's really not the JT edit. It. it has some similarities, and even JT had huge character moments. Like he spits out his tooth, and Jeff's like, "That's Survivor," and we get like this huge <laughs> zoom in moment. Like, like what Elaine like liked Vince. Like that was that's her <laughs> big moment. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Uh, I feel like Elaine's story is just she she's too likable. So she, I bet she gets voted. I bet. Okay, new theory. It's gonna come down to Karishma or Elaine. Uh, original Vokai is gonna be deciding between the two. They're gonna be splitting the votes of who gets more, mm-hmm. and it's gonna be presented that Karishma is gonna get voted out and Elaine's gonna get at like final eleven. But maybe maybe they go for Karishma there. And then Elaine starts going on like this challenge run, and they're like, "Oh no, we waited too long." And then <laughs> that's the she... other thing. You're onto something. If Elaine, I I believed in her ability to win five immunity challenges, or that I thought the producers liked her enough to give her four idols, she'd be a winner <laughs> contender. I don't think they like her that much, and I don't think she's gonna win five challenges, so she's not a winner contender. You don't think production likes Elaine? I feel I... like they love Elaine not as much as Ben. Well. Uh, you know, okay. like I think they're fine with her not winning. You know, like yeah, okay. like they're they're happy with her coming ninth. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That's my like Elaine's gonna come like ninth or tenth or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I do think it's probably gonna be related to Karishma or Nora or Dan, like one of these unlikable characters. Yeah, probably a split or something like that. Mm-hmm. Cool. So we'll move here to Elizabeth, who at this point. Her character is, I went to Island of the Idols in the first episode. And I right? re- react to things. Elizabeth <laughs> Tarantula, OTTN1. Um, and her reaction face to Elaine telling her about the vote block was amazing. Mm-hmm. I like Elizabeth a lot. Like, she's a weird character who, ever since the first episode where she didn't know who Robin Sander were, just feels like she doesn't fit on Survivor in the right way. And I don't know. I she's like up she's like the top of the people I don't really think of a chance. Like she's getting the right content at points. It's almost teetering on the edge of not around when she doesn't matter. But like in this episode, she's obviously sort of the strategic impetus behind Elaine. She's shielded from the negativity that hits well not negativity but the contradiction for Aaron and Missy that they're flipping on them anyway so I don't know I think Elizabeth comes out of this episode okay there's just problems where she disappears in episodes and yeah yeah no like I honestly Elizabeth top candidate for like UTR quirky queen that I I really like her. <laughs> she is a weirdo. And I didn't p- pick that up on the first episode, but she's funny. Like she's a very naturally funny person. Like, yeah, the way she reacts and talks and like, she's just goofy. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm a big fan of her. Like she makes me laugh. She makes me smile and she's on screen. Um, Cause like, that's what she is. She's the, at this point, she's the UTR quirky. Like she's Eliza or whatever. Like she gives the awesome reaction faces and stuff. And she has no idea what she's doing. And it's, really a fun fresh character i actually wish we saw a little bit more of her um mm. i'm sure there's gold on the cutting room th- floor with elizabeth because <laughs> every time we see her she's, she's just doing something weird um but yeah like she clearly just isn't a huge part of the story you know what i mean like mm. she probably just gets voted out so like i bet she wins a couple of immunity challenges and gets voted out for it 
Yeah. Or at least she doesn't feel like the primary threat for Vokai. Yeah. Like, she feels um, like down the road. Like, And I think that one thing that I'm noticing is, so we have, like, we, we're, we're both high on Kelly. Um, and part of Kelly's story is, like, she was worried about people blowing up her game by going to Edge of, or Island of Idols. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth also talked about that and in this episode it's reminded. I feel like we are going to see Kelly and Elizabeth band together. And I guess this is my ultimate hot take here related to Elizabeth. That female alliance from original Lyro, I think will come back into fruition at Merge, but not with Lyro. It's going to be like Kelly, Elaine, Elizabeth. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and Elizabeth and Kelly's Island of the Idols uh, mix-up kind of thing is going to be the impetus for that. I think hmm. that's basically Elizabeth's story and where it's going. That's why there's so much content of this girls' alliance early on, specifically with Elizabeth. Um, and then we have Kelly and Elizabeth almost being mirrors on the other tribe, kept away from each other. I think that's what we're going to see. We're going to have them bond. I think Kelly and Elizabeth are going to be allies. Hmm. I think a different way it could go is Kelly knows to be paranoid of Elizabeth because of what she knows. And then that's why she might go for Elizabeth earlier than you might expect. Yeah, I mean, that's also a possibility. Oh, um, I mean, I know why Elaine, what Elaine had from Island of the Idols, because someone will surely tell her, but Elizabeth hasn't talked about her advantage, so she might have something big. And... That's true. Very true. Um, but yeah, no, that that would basically be my theory. Elizabeth mm-hmm. has long-term chances, it's that. So yeah, move here to Lauren, another amazing cast member. Like, that's the thing. Like, this cast is so good. Lauren, She's I my saw... favorite. Yeah, she's right up there with me. Like, um, she like made me cry. You know what I mean? Like, really powerful scene. Um, and I wasn't on the Reddit a huge amount this week just because I was pretty busy. But I saw a lot of people turning on her, and that makes me really sad because I thought that was one with her crying and being like, "I've wanted to be here forever." I I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I know some people sort of saw her as negative, and I guess there is that one point where she calls Elaine stupid. And, like, obviously it gets flipped back on her. But then her reaction in that moment is so, like, viscerally, like... And that's just how Lauren is. Everything, every moment she's on the screen is, like, Lauren and complete real, like, emotions. So, yeah, I don't know. I really like Lauren. Um, Winner chances-wise, she was last, last week. I mean, she's a character that we know about, so, like that's okay for her and she hasn't gone to many tribal councils but the one she's gone to she's been big in some way so if it's really weird i guess lauren could win but not anywhere like super high yeah i don't think she's gonna win she's one of my favorites um i know like like i said I, people are basically calling her a hypocrite right where she's w- perfectly willing to vote out elaine or whoever um but when it could be her then she breaks down and cries what a hypocrite that's I think- <laughs> so stupid and unfair like yeah it, one like you're not being present like very few people get like by the way there's a one in four chance it's you uh good luck like that's a huge difference than what you usually see where it's like anticipation and this was mm-hmm. like oh my god it could be me i 100 percent get that two yeah obviously she's gonna be more invested in her game than other people's um yeah and it's not like <laughs> Like, I think we haven't really seen it, but if Lauren was, like, an actual target where it's like, oh, there's swing votes in the midst and maybe she could go home, like, I think she would handle it better. This was literally, like, Elaine pulling out, like, oh, one of you is going home. 
and there's nothing you can do about it. And so, yeah, I would react the same way. And yeah, it is my game. Of course, I'm like, I don't want to go home. Yeah. And I mean, like, the thing I'll never get is, so they're out there, they're playing a game where you vote people out. It's a game about social politics. And if you compare it to, like, rock, paper, scissors, um, there's, you can, like, rock beats paper, scissors beat, or scissors beat paper, paper beats rock, rock beats scissors. <laughs> and... Mm -hmm. You know, Lauren's doing it optimally every time she does scissors and rock and she accurately predicts what the other person's going to do. And then she walks up. Uh, it's a new day. They do rock, paper, scissors. And the other person does dynamite. And they just, the, the dynamite beats everything, by the way. Uh, it doesn't matter yeah. how meticulously planned and strategized. Um, and it's just this new thing in the game that it's a nebulous power that you just can't control. Mm -hmm. it, it's completely different. Lauren side didn't lose the social political game they didn't lose she didn't get outplayed she didn't get tricked she did whatever someone just introduced another thing yeah and obviously you're gonna feel bitter about that you're gonna feel sad you're gonna feel scared duh yeah it wasn't even like they weren't losing they were explicitly winning this yeah. episode was all about how aaron was flipping no matter what missy was with him too and then all of that's just flipped and it's yeah. just like ah. it's like it's the kind of situation where she realizes as well as Tommy and Jason and Dan that it doesn't matter how well they played this game because they were playing a game because the game that they thought they were playing wasn't the game they were playing. They were playing something else. Mm -hmm. And like, ultimately that's why we see this happen. And it's just sad and humiliating on us. Like that pe people are being against Lauren. That was a very powerful moment and I don't get it. But that said, her story is not there. Um, yeah. Still, uh, she's a side character who's just really interesting. Um, mm -hmm. She's a lot like Janet. Like she has her moments, but never. There's no nothing built up as to where she's going in this game. So, yep, she's Janet. If Janet gave really good confessionals, basically, which I think Janet can. But yeah, but Lauren's are like god tier. Like they're yeah. very good, and so like no matter what, she's gonna get something. Like mm -hmm. they're not gonna invisible Lauren, but it's getting pretty close to it. Like she's getting like the bare minimum. Mm -hmm. but yeah that's lauren um another one of my favorite characters here in this season who honestly like just spectacular like missy continues to just be like the like the queen of this game like i think i personally am cheering for kelly more but like missy's another top candidate for just like character i want to see back i want to see them play survivor a bunch of times they're so fun i love how cutthroat she was in this episode um she continues to be so fun. I like that she's embracing the villain role. We need more players like this. Uh, massive kudos to Missy. And I I hope she's here for a long time. I think it, it continues to be more and more possible. Uh, she's kind of protected against the negativity that Aaron kind of gets on him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm I'm optimistic for Missy, I guess. As as a character, I'm not so high on her. Like she's the one who is like definitively like playing the game, and that's been her like from day one which like that's not my thing but like at times i really like missy and what she brings to this um but yeah she is like a tear down from aaron she's between like aaron and elizabeth um where she was brought in onto the plan but it seemed like she was more like am i really voting like elaine out or what so yeah i think it was another bad episode for her winning chances like i think and I think most people are firmly getting off that train now. Like, this is not really adding up for Missy. But I think a good episode maybe for her longevity. As she, yeah. Because she's not the one who 
implicitly angered the Vokais. I mean, Lauren's obviously mad at her next episode, but I think she has more leeway to come back from it as opposed to Aaron. Absolutely agree. Like she's somebody who could kind of be, as we kind of say, like the torch, the, the torch carrier. Like Aaron tra- like dies, Missy continues to carry the torch afterwards, inherits his edit. Um, I want to live in the world where this could be a winner edit for Missy. Um, you know what I mean? Like they show her is capable. We get to learn about her. We- that she's willing to cut people no matter what. That she's cutthroat. But um, to quote one of our listeners, I just don't think they have the guts to edit. Uh, messy like this as the winner um unfortunately uh you see over and over again that um people don't aren't the highest on when we have like really cutthroat female players the editors still seem hesitant to edit girls as strong badass players if they're the winner like sarah mm-hmm. lucina even was super sanded around the edges um yeah i just don't i, I want to live in the world where they're willing to do it i just we're in that world um, and we're always gonna get it like a like a rainbowy kind of bow tied around it. And Missy doesn't have that. Missy is like, yeah, I killed your girlfriend, Boo. Like, mm-hmm. she's a badass, and that's just not what we see with girl winners. Unfortunately, like the female winners tend to be like social game, and that's it. Like, yep, yeah. yeah like even Sarah Lucina, like the most uh, like cutthroat badass uh, female winner, the criminal. Yeah, like she's the criminal. She's not even a cop this time. The story is introduced that she she says she has a phenomenal social game. That's how it's presented. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and that's a person that got people to give them their wedding ring, uh, and threw it in the ocean. Like swear on like dead family members. Like Sarah Lazina played the most vicious game. And if you're interested at all in Survivor and you haven't looked this up, just look up the stuff that they didn't show on the TV show about Sarah Lazina and uh, and Game Changers. And then look at how boring that season was and how lame she seemed. Um, she was like in like next level evil player, and we just didn't see any of it. And then imagine that Missy wins. It's just it, it, we don't live like unless it's a completely new editing team, new completely new philosophy. They're not giving someone anything like that if they're cutting out amazing content from Sarah. Mm-hmm. Yep. But yeah, no, I love Missy. I want her to play another season. Absolutely. Like I said, I'll watch her play Survivor every day. Um, yeah, I want to yeah. see. I mean, because I, I don't think it's her fault that Lyra is in this bad position, necessarily. And I think it was a bad mix of players, especially for her. Which, I mean, she even came out of that, like, at the top of a girls' alliance and flipping on it. But, like, I even think, like, it wasn't the perfect environment for her to really thrive. And who knows? Well, maybe she'll do something this episode, or this season. But I mean, hot take is Missy not currently playing the best game of everybody? No. Is there anybody even in the... So no, I, I think she's not that great right now. Like she's the only person who's had the vote go her way every single time. Eh. Yeah, I think so. Aaron got blindsided. Um, I guess arguably Elaine and Elizabeth, but like they weren't the shot callers at all, right? Like, um, no, no, Elaine like, obviously. Miss, yeah, Missy's I mean, been every travel she's gone to has been the shot caller of the of the plan. Um, and has been on the right side. I feel like no one else can really say that at all. Maybe Kelly. Yeah, I guess you could say Kelly has, but, but one tribal. I mean, this is like a different argument entirely, but like, is that a good game? Because like, we've seen Missy, uh, like, is what she did here and the bond she broke, is she going to be able to patch that up? I think you have people 
Like, I'm more inclined to say, like, oh, Janet's playing a really good game. Or, like, even Tommy still, to some extent, I think is playing an excellent game. Um, I think Missy... I think Missy might play a little too hard at times and she's That's not true. able to, she can't patch that up with Dean or we'll have to see what happens with like Lauren and the rest of Vokai. But I guess that is fair. I guess to me, I will always like the optimal survivor game is a lot quieter than I'd like to be. Yeah. I think the, I mean, like, <laughs> this is like the silliest argument for us to have, because obviously where you're going to lean towards one person and make very good arguments for it. And I am going to lean towards another type of person and I hope make good arguments for it. Yeah. So like, yeah, but. I guess to me, when I say good game, I mean like has agency, has control. Messi's had control. Ah. If you look yeah. at this vote in particular, um, for example, the Jason, Jason leaving. Okay, Messi is a pivotal person in that dialogue. She's shown discussing targets, blah, 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 right? But mm-hmm. we obviously know that that's not really what was actually going on. Um, Messi was con- safe on either side. So, like, I feel like you could argue that people like Elaine are actually playing. They've blown up too much. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I would but, not say Elaine is playing a great game. Yeah, right? Like, <laughs> um, so Missy's not big enough of a threat to be voting out. So I don't want to hold that against her. Like, f- for maybe some some time in the future, it blowing up against her. But she was, either way this went, at least how it was shown, either she goes with a li- old Lyro and they vote as a tribe and she's an integral part of that, or her and Aaron flip on Elaine. And either way, she's pretty content connected and control and in control so she kind of yeah. driving the bus right like i feel like i don't know mm-hmm. missy's playing great is basically the point there okay cool let's move here to tommy who i feel like this is one of the most interesting player pieces on the uh board here yeah this like, episode. we waited all episode yeah. long to get to this really spicy tommy episode so we're, we're just i'm gonna neutrally set this up for Obviously, Tommy's been, like, the front runner, almost gets, like, perfect, insane edit. We enter this episode. I He was effectively invisible until after the immunity challenge. Um, I yes. don't think he got any content before then. He might not have even spoke. He, d- he did. Um, there's the weird scene where Dan is adjusting Jason's buff, and Tommy comments on it, or someone is talking with... Elena's talking, he's saying, or she's saying, it's like a kid going to prom and dad's getting him ready. And then Tommy goes, yeah, and he doesn't even have a date. So like right off the bat, it does not start good for Tommy. Like it's (laughs) almost negative, but keep going. (laughs) Yeah. So basically he's not there. Um, He's just kind of there chilling. Um, We get the scene of the, he cuts off the chicken's head. Well, he doesn't do it, but then, like... Yeah, he, he gets the shocked Jason, face. Him and Jason are, like, flinching away as though they've never seen anything more horrifying. Which, fair. I mean, that's mortifying. Um, but, yeah, so he's not there, effectively. We get some shots of him. But then, we come back, and keep on. this is, like, our front runner that's beginning perfect content. <laughs> he's still, like... He starts looking a little arrogant, I feel like, but not too bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, he's, he's pretty low of his ability. Um, mm. and I think the big thing is, um, he is like Elaine correctly identifies from the audience point of view that Tommy needs to, mm-hmm. right? Like that's the interesting part here is like, he's completely invisible, pops up a little bit to be like a little strategic. And then Elaine's like, Tommy's playing a really good game, by the way, watch yeah. out. Like I thought I, for a moment, I was like, Oh, could this be a Tommy boot? Oh yeah. I was like, Oh, the real shock boot. Chelsea yeah. Walker step aside. Yeah. But 
no, it keeps going. <laughs> and you you get to tribal council, and uh, he looks mostly okay. And then he has that really good line about taking risks, and he's sort of the figurehead for Vokai potentially going to rocks. Um, and then there's the like half live tribal, which is another weird facet to this because from what it, we see, Aaron and Missy start it. Like they're the ones who are mm-hmm. like, oh, we need to make sure our plan's in order when their plan should be in order if it's what they go through the entire time. And yeah, then, right. They have the most simple one. It's vote with your tribe. Yeah. Um, and so we see him participate a little bit in that. Um, and they vote. And then at the end, Rob gets them really good because he's staring at Aaron very angrily. And Rob tells him to suck it up, Buttercup, reiterating mm-hmm. what Elena had said earlier. Yeah. So I think the big question is, Tommy, but the perfect edit, as we had all been talking about, is this just like awful negative episode? Or is this like a good protected cool down episode for Tommy? Yeah, if that is the million dollar question, right? <laughs> like, um, is this the episode that's meant to make us doubt Tommy? I think it honestly gun to my head. Yes. That's what this is. Um, yeah. I don't know if I'm so far aboard the Tommy train that I'm just like, yeah, I, I can put on my glasses and say, Hey, this is the, what they're doing in this. And I feel like it sets up stories going forward. Like, Oh, Aaron, who he just had a really good scene with betrayed him ruthlessly. And so now he's on some tour of revenge, which we've sort of seen as a recurring thing. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really put him in immediate danger per se, any more so than Lauren or Dan are. And let's be real, Lauren's getting voted out if they go. You think like, so? If, if that, like, I mean, like, if if the status quo stays the same and they go, like, like you mean, like, if old Lyro's picking who goes, it's Lauren, not Tommy. You don't think Dan? I mean, I guess it could be Dan too, but <laughs> I my money would be on Lauren. Um, like, I don't think Tommy's actually in danger. I feel like that's. Yeah. He's not going to be the last pre-merge boot. Like, if he is, I'll be actually stunned. Um, <laughs> And, like, that'll be, I guess, very shocking and interesting. But, yeah, no, like, mm-hmm. to me, it seemed really, really bad. And then I rewatched the episode. It's not as bad as I thought. Um, If anything, I think it was in episode two, Tommy said, and we were a little confused on this, because he said, Survivor isn't, like, uh, teaching, like, you want to care for your friends, but at the end of the day, in Survivor, it's uh, a game all about yourself. Um, you gotta be care about yourself above everybody else. I don't want to vote out Molly, but it's what I have to do, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe that is his story, and that's what, like, we were, like, having, like, some tonal whiplash, because we're, like, we've just been told that this is, like, good pal Tommy, right? Like, you're good old teacher, fourth grade guy, like, um, he's obviously gonna be a good guy. Maybe Tommy has more edge to him in this story than we thought. And this is the start of that. Mm. Right? Like, we get suck it up Buttercup because whatever, we're supposed to see him as like angry, sore loser kind of thing. Mm. But maybe he gets his way. Aaron's now an obstacle for him to knock over. We have that in play. Um, We have him wanting revenge. Like, maybe he is just a little bit more self centered and greedy of a player than we're seeing all like to this point. Like, he's been golden and happy and positive maybe he it does have a little more edge to him than we thought Mm -hmm. yeah it's just because i even after the first watch i was like yeah i can still keep tommy number one it's more of a mixture like kelly also had a bad episode but they're all closer together i guess and Mm -hmm. then 
it's just all these because this is the second time he's gone to tribal council and if we remember in episode two the same thing happened where he wasn't present until after the immunity challenge and even then he still was on the right side of the vote yeah but i do think in fairness there i think what we're seeing is every single time he and is wrong they don't like i mean like in this episode he actually voted wrong in episode two (laughs) He was presented as the swing vote, but was clearly leaning to keeping Molly, right? Like, mm-hmm. but like was presented swing votey, right? Um, yeah. I, I don't think there's much of a difference there. I think both times he's a little bit discredited, but they choose to really downplay his role until the tribal phase. And then he pops back up and is like, just so you know, I'm a little bit in the middle. In addition, he really was, he didn't get an episode, like he didn't get anything being like, oh, um, Elaine is dead. She has no chance. He wasn't shown really like he didn't have a strong case here. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like we didn't really hear a strong way one way or another do. Yeah. So yeah. it I protects mean, them from negativity big time. Mm-hmm. The biggest things are just like the weird like shots, like that prom scene one or his reaction to the chicken. It's just like, I guess those are fun things to show for your winner, but like they don't really mix with how we've seen Tommy so far. And because I think last episode we talked a lot about like what's his worst thing, and it's the Applebee's thing. But now, I, right off the bat, I was like, "Oh, this is Tommy's worst thing." Like here it is. Or so. Uh, I guess my question to you is: both those things that you mentioned, like chicken and uh, the buff thing, were mm-hmm. Jason too? Right. I, right that's like, an interesting part of it. Like the camera people aren't going to ask, "Hey, Tommy, can you at, pretend to be shocked and disgusted by the chicken away from Jason?" <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. I feel like we saw, like, we, I mean, like the clam in episode one, we saw Molly get blindsided, right? And, like, that's clear foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. And this one, I feel like the chicken getting its head cut off and it appalling Jason, like, Jason and Tommy was foreshadowing for Jason being blindsided and Tommy being upset about it. Yeah. And I think that's fine. Like, I don't think it's bad for him. It's, yeah, I think I it think- was bad for Jason or Tommy. It happened to be real bad for Jason and just, Highlight Tommy. Yeah, I think you can come back and say they're both about Jason in some way. So, like, now that Jason's gone, it sort of doesn't have a dwelling on the season going forward. It's almost right for Tommy to criticize Jason because Jason was the one who went. So, I don't know. It's talking about the Jack and Jamal scene more makes me think it's a much closer race between Jack, Kelly, and Tommy. But I still... I. I don't want to be wrong on this. I don't want to let go of Tommy just yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Like I, to me, I'm still saying Tommy's in the finale. Um, yeah. Like maybe Aaron beats him or it's like a Josh, J- like Jeremy thing. But I kind of thought, um, of Tommy as fire maker loser. Like to Janet fire queen. Because- <laughs> well, I'm trying to remember what my, I think I had Aaron, Dan, and Kelly as like a final three. And like, no way. Aaron's not making it that far. Well, it depends on how mad they actually are. If they're super mad at one another next episode, we know it's not the case. Um, But I guess he's sort of getting almost Lauren O'Connell ish content at this point, where he's like big in some episodes, but not as big as he should be, maybe in tribal council episodes. But I, I think. To some extent, it can be forgiven. Because but it's he's not never like, been UTR. Like, he's never been... Yeah, and it, he's not, like, an, an important strategy piece of it, like Lauren was. 
Mm-hmm. Like he's always there. It's just this weird. He's ignored until after the immunity challenge. And yeah. Yeah. So not quite the same. And I mean, Lauren wasn't even the firemaker loser. So yeah, exactly. different roads. But I don't know. To me, like I said, like, I feel like Tommy, he he could be the fallen angel. You know what I mean? Like the person who should have won or something. But I do think like winner is probably a lot more likely. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, I him and Jack to me are a tier above everybody else at this point. And then after that, it's like Kelly. Um, and like, I kind of could see, honestly, I could see like Tommy, Jack, Jamal being the final three. Like um, mm. I'm, I'm pretty high on that threesome there. Uh, uh, trio. Sorry. Um, <laughs> yes. uh, but no, like uh, I know Tommy continues to be very interesting. I think this is a very interesting episode for him um, because, okay. So people, like we said last week, like, um, they're saying that he, his edit's too perfect, and then he gets like not a fantastic episode. Like I feel like that it like sometimes the, like again the winners are frequently pretty obvious, but they get like these brief moments of peril. Mm-hmm. This kind of looks like that kind of brief moment of peril to me. Um, yeah, and most winners do kind of stick out like a sore thumb when you like, especially on rewatch. Like if you go back and you know who, oh wow, wow, <laughs> um, they're really putting them out there for you. But yeah. Um, Tommy has so many of those things. Like, yeah, some like, y- like a lot of those things that you're pointing out is like bad things. You see, winners get this stuff a lot. Like Jeremy eating the uh balut or whatever after the challenge. You, like, um, mm-hmm. kind of uh, feels just Nick Wilsony across yeah. the board. Where I think what happened during that season was there are enough like little things that Nick did that was like, oh yeah, like it's just too many things stacking up, and it made me like disregard him. But I think. Coming back to this, I think he has a good... Tommy, in this case, has a good chance to win. Yeah. Um. And, yeah, I don't know, like, especially, like, yeah, like, he has good relationships. Obviously, the Aaron thing gives him an enemy. Having an enemy is really good in the story. It gives you someone to beat. Um. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm still very high on Tommy. And I guess that finally brings us here to Jason, who, yeah, basically what we called early on was right. He was, what if Dr. Mike leaves early? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, um yeah i last week i was talking about how i was gonna be so happy that i was right when jason did not win did not expect it this early but yeah i feel like everyone was just like oh jason is getting this amazing edit he's been redeemed and he's always there and giving good content when i don't i feel like they really handled jason with almost like a light brush like we didn't get all the jason we could have and it makes sense now why he goes early. You don't want to get too attached to this character who obviously is sort of fun and kind of a good one. It's why yeah. so many people were attached to him. But yeah, I feel like his story bits never added up. I think the bit with Nora never resolved as much as it should if he were to be the winner. Mm-hmm. It just, yeah, it just never added up. So I wish I had like more longevity on this to be like here's more reasons why jason wasn't winning but yeah yeah ultimately it was there wasn't enough right um jason is the classic case of you want this guy to win right you want to live in the world where he wins but he got screwed Mm -hmm. out of the game he really did like he got robbed he doesn't leave in normal circumstances here at all uh survivor producers threw in a really dumb advantage and that's why he left um how sad is that you know what i mean like um, yeah, it just sucks, but that's why he lost, and that's why we were never given about him. We knew nothing about him as we established last week. Um, mm-hmm. 
We knew that he was a good player. Um, theoretically, he had potential. And production probably liked him a decent amount. He's a good confessionalist. But at the end of the day, we didn't know anything about him. We didn't really know his motivations. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Like it's this it really is like it's like Dr. Mike without the winner quotes um, mm-hmm. is what you get. Um, so yeah, um, he was one of my favorite characters in the season. I'll probably remember him and probably like he's somebody. He's probably one of the top people I'd want to see back because he really did just get robbed. Yeah, yeah. Um, like season forty-one, Jason versus Tom. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> Um, um in the battle of the personal injury lawyers, Karishma's victor. Hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I am sad that we won't see Jason and Nora uh, reunite. I do think that was I thought he would be early merge, not mm-hmm. here. And yeah. that's really bad for his good pal Nora, I think, because it could be them back to back. Um and it just makes me question why they were established so much, but I guess it was they were just a cute relationship. Like not relationship, but like cute dynamic. So it's for their a spinoff series, The Survivor of the Pre-Jury Trip, where yeah. we explore Jason and Nora's increasing friendship. Which, I mean, at this point, if we're going to be tracking the spinoff, it has to be that they merge at 12, and Elaine and Nora get voted out. You get the trio, <laughs> and then you get Nora, and then all the all the relationships are intact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so Tom, Vince, and Elaine are there, yeah. and Jason and Nora are there, and then Chelsea doesn't get Dean, though. Ooh, true, true. I, maybe they merge at eleven. Yeah, they merge at eleven. I mean, no, they merge <laughs> at ten, and Aaron goes, and he gets hanging. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, and Molly's left all alone. <laughs> oh, so they need Jamal and Jack. Jamal and Jack are going to. I mean, maybe the- maybe our file six is just all the people not connected. <laughs> <laughs> like, it could be, it could be that could be their trick. Oh man, Edric broken. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, cool. So, um. For me, I have I have Tommy number one probably still. Jack number two. Huge gap, Kelly. After that, who knows? Yeah, I would say it's a closer race than before. But Tommy at number one, Kelly at number two, and I think I would bring back Jack for number three. Hashtag bring like back Jack. The arguments you made here really it makes sense. Like I can see the charisma quote being so early in the episode that it's okay and then this really does feel like a reintroduction to him it's a really big moment for him maybe it shouldn't have been the biggest moment for him as opposed to jamal but that's what it was and that's what we have to deal with so yep and my prediction for next week uh i'm gonna go with i think nora or lauren will leave the game i think it's the battle of nora versus jamal on lyro and I think I think if Vokai goes, Elaine goes. That's also possible. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Elaine or Lauren. I don't think Lauren's story is done. Like, not that she has a story, but I feel like <laughs> there's like more there's more episodes of just a little bit of content, Lauren. And honestly, you might be onto something because if we flash back to season 20, here's her villains. I remember right before the merge when they're deciding who to bring into the merge, Courtney or Sandra. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, that's how the episode's framed is like one of these two is getting voted out. Which one do we bring into the merge? That's just like a perfect time for Elaine to go. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, anytime we get a decision, like a firm decision between Elaine and someone else, I th- that's when Elaine goes. It's just, I guess, merge is actually a perfect spot for that to happen. So, you might be onto mm-hmm. something. I don't um, want to be, though. I love that little busted can of biscuits. Yeah. And I just want to, uh, I want to start doing a condescending move of the week. So, um, Move of the week this week was 
Elaine getting set of a challenge and then getting uh, an advantage. So excellent <laughs> um, play. We've never seen it before <laughs> because we haven't seen this twist before. Yeah, I mean, I think I guess before we leave, hot take. Please never um, give someone something for getting sat out of a challenge. <laughs> like, stupid, annoying, bad. Um, like, why? Why would this be the method that they choose? Especially with not telling them beforehand. At least tell them beforehand. Like, Yeah. That's yeah, interesting. That it so much more interesting. Yeah. Instead, this just feels like she got bailed out for no reason. <laughs> and, mm. and then it's back to random again. Yeah. So like, who planned this? <laughs> Stop being random. It's not 2009. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, cheeseburger. And with that, um, that's our show. Uh, you can email us at us at the winner edit at gmail.com. New episodes on Saturdays or Sundays. We're on all major podcast catchers. And uh, someone messaged me and mentioned that we had a problem with Spotify. We are now all on Spotify. All of our episodes are on Spotify. I fixed that problem. Um, wow. Amazing. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> our IT guy, me, uh, <laughs> Finally figured it out. Um, <laughs> yeah, so if you can review us on iTunes, review us on Spotify, whatever you can, that's awesome. And uh, if you want, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Danny Kills Bees. I'm at J Chapman 9000. You can hear my condescending and angry t- the show if you would like to follow me. <laughs> yeah, I like what I do is I watch the episode and then I wait an hour for all the takes to fill in, filter in. <laughs> and I hop on Twitter and I just mask in all of it. And it's so good. So Yeah, I've been I've been hosting like Survivor watch parties with my friends to try and get them more into Survivor. And they always leave and they're like, that was an awesome episode. And I'm like, but the integrity of the game. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> You're just typing away on your phone being like, yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. Um. Good job to the editors for at least doing one scene well, and uh, sayonara. Yeah, see you next week.